Monica? Oh, Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Yeah, they, they We're would... live. So, okay, folks, today's uh, episode 124 is with Rola Tomasi, <laughs> the rational yeah. male. We're going to talk about what it is to be alpha, what mm-hmm. it is to be sure. beta. Uh, I think the question of the day, to be honest with you, everybody wants to know what is a soy boy. It's, it's like, especially for our, ta- for our podcast, it's a critical guess or no. Everyone's never heard talking that about this. <laughs> never, never heard that. Still so, talking about this. Soy boy mafia. We're going to talk about the black pill. We're going to talk about a lot of pills that, you know, apparently people are taking the blue, the red, the black. Apparently there's a mm-hmm. white pill. Uh, uh, I wanted to get your uh, 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 thoughts on that. I know we got some current events that we're going to get into. So sure. having said that, you know, the book, the rational male, okay? Mm-hmm. The, I think it's nine different things that you talk about in there. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of things that you talk yeah, about in there. There's a lot, yeah. yeah. But so so how, how did you go? How's a guy that's been married nearly for 30 years mm-hmm. write a book about how to be an alpha male and rational male? Well, first off, um, I think you need to uh, define what is an alpha male okay. and what is a beta male. When I talk about alpha or beta, I'm talking about it in terms like abstract terms. So it's not like I'm the, the comparison isn't we're like silverback gorillas or, you know, wolves on the Arctic tundra yeah. or something like that. It's it's a placeholder term. It's an abstraction so to say there are guys who are of a higher class or of a higher value than there are of guys who are, you know, just sort of run the mill guys, average, average men right now. So when when you say something like alpha or beta, people want to turn it into sort of like scientific terms, like etymological terms, right? They want to say, well, you guys are just comparing yourselves to, to you know, gorillas or something like that. It has nothing to do with it whatsoever. So uh, defining what that is, the book is not necessarily meant to say, okay, here's how you be an alpha male kind of thing. What my work has done over the course of the last 20 years now um, has been to explore intersexual dynamics as a part of that. Yes, ma- male nature is a part of that. Female nature is a part of that. And how do those two natures play on each other? And how do they do that from a macro, or excuse me, a micro level mm-hmm. to a macro level? So all you know, all the way down to you know, uh, what it, what is it that makes uh, a guy attractive? What is it that makes a woman attractive? And then from that point, from that point forward, it's how do they come together? How do they have sex? How do they form families? And from those families, how do they form tribes? From those tribes, how do they form nations? How do, and, and on and on and on. But you have to go all the way back and sort of distill it down to the intersexual dynamics between men and women. And that's what I attempted to do in the first book. And then I've got, uh, well, three other books since then that are supplements to the to the first book. Rolo, before you became this mm-hmm. rational male, like you guys were you know, mm-hmm. kind of doing a community college competition over here. <laughs> Who had a better community college upbringing in Pasadena? Pasadena's at PCC. You guys almost yeah. became the blows. <laughs> but was this... Did you go to school for this? Did you learn, um, you know, on the go? Were you out? Were you a party guy? Well, like as Pat always asks, like who were you in high school? Mm-hmm. Like did you have a situation that happened? Mm-hmm. You're like a girl broke your heart. You're like that's never gonna happen again. Everyone. How did this asked, happen? Okay, so this is standard. This is standard question one oh one. Okay. Bro. So, <laughs> so first thing is, is I've been married for 25 years as of J- uh, July of last year. Um, so thank you. And um, so people always ask me that, how did you come into this, you know, this yeah. situation? Did somebody break your heart? Was there some point like, well, how did you get red pilled kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And it was a more like a slow process, not necessarily some sort of, you know, break, break up or anything, any like there's no catalyst to, you know, oh, well, I'm going to, this is going to make this my life's mission. It wasn't about that. It was just curiosity for a very long time. Uh, I grew up, as I said, in Southern California. Um, I was part of, like, say, the, the late 80s, early 90s, you know, metal scene that was going on in, in, uh, in Hollywood band. at the time. Yeah, yeah. thanks, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And so from there, you know, I kind of got my act together after after a while. Um, I mean, I've been through bad breakups just like anybody else has, but it's, that was not necessarily the catalyst for me to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I have had a very, I say, unique set of circumstances over the course of my life. So uh, going from uh, from that situation from Southern California, just sort of being a, a, a kid, really in my 20s, um, wanting to have a good time, wanting to party, wanting to get, you know, it certainly wasn't about the money back then. It was more about getting laid. Mm-hmm. So um, that was my my impetus at that point. And then, of course, you mature, you get a little bit older. Uh, you know, met my wife uh, in a Lake Tahoe area. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and so from that point, you know, you have kids and you sort of, you know, uh, reassess where it is and what you want to do and set goals for yourself and, you know, sort of mature. Um, I'm Generation X, so maybe that's that had something to do with it as well. Um, but it's Real primarily quick, we, we have a lot of listeners that are mm-hmm. what, 18 to 40, give or take, for the yeah. most part. Mm-hmm. Some are single, some are getting out of college, some mm-hmm. are in relationships, some are married. What's the outcome of this conversation, just so we're all on the same page? Is it to expose what's really going on out there? Are you going to drop some knowledge? Hey, this is what you guys got to do to improve your life? Where mm-hmm. are we going? Just so we can it's, set the tone of okay, this entire so, conversation. So the the if there is a, a purpose or a point to my writing, it is to educate. Okay. It is to educate guys, to give them the tools so that they can make informed decisions when it comes to their personal life, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And second of all, from that point, where do you go from there? How do you change your life? I am not in the business of making men better men. I am in the business of giving men the tools mm-hmm. so that they can make themselves better men. I'm in, I'm in the business of... Not prescriptions, but descriptions. And so what happens is then people will take those, guys will take those and, and better their lives, save their, save their own lives in, in many instances as well. Um, and then it's not just about getting laid. A lot of people want to want to mischaracterize what it is that I do and say, well, it's just those pickup artists. It's just those, you know, we're talking about pickup artists in 2022, mm-hmm. about pickup artists that were in, in the scene back in 2002. The so we're talking Strauss, about 20 years. Game, we're talk- whole, okay. The game, by the way, was published in 2005. Yeah. All the events in there took place between, like, say, 20 or 2002 and 2004. So fair to say the game has changed. But... Very much so. Okay. And that's I think we, we want to run back to that when we want to mischaracterize, when we want to uh, we want to just you know, dismiss and ridicule mm-hmm. all of that. But it has matured to the point where it used to be just about, you know, PUA and, like, how do I get laid? Guys come together on forums. They start comparing notes. It's sort of this aggregate of information between guys like all over the world. scientific approach. Almost, well, it was, the first so. time in, it was the first time in history where we had the Internet where guys could get together and sort of compare notes all over the world. And from that point, it was, it snowballed from there into, um, how do I live a better life? How do I, how do I find, uh, if that's what they wanted to do, how do I find a girlfriend? It's not all about notch count. A lot of guys use the red pill just so they can get a girlfriend in the first place or go from, you know, being a quote unquote perma virgin to, you know, getting, getting a girlfriend or, you know, getting into a situation where they're in a, in a relationship at that point. So it's, it's all about what you do with it rather than, okay, well, it's j- this is the point. This is the importance of it. It doesn't have any particular point to it. It's a praxology, not an ideology. Got it. So qu- question for you. This, this book, Rational Mill, mm-hmm. who, who agreed with you? Who disagreed with you? Who said, I <laughs> That's totally <evolving. laughs> agree with what he has to say? Dude, the guy's full of shit. Mm-hmm. He has no clue what he's talking mm-hmm. about. You, you, you write books. You're going to have people from both sides. Oh, absolutely. Who liked it, who Still hated do. it? Still do. Still do. It's mostly guys that hate it. Really? Yes. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna, I'll tell you a really quick, funny story here. When I was writing the second book, which yeah. is The uh, Preventive Medicine, it's a, a timeline and, and everything, that you know, what to expect from women at certain uh, phases of maturity. Um, I, I, I started that book with an introduction because I had a guy relate this story to me that he was reading the first book, Rational Mail, 
And he was uh, he was there, you know, checking it out on his couch or something. His girlfriend, his wife, whoever came in and said, you know, the rational male. Pff, who's there's no rational male. And he was laughing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like, give me that. I'm gonna I'll decide, you know, what this is all about. The girl read it. Yeah, say. the girl read it. She grabbed it from him. And it took her like maybe uh, three or four days to to read it. She just like ate it up. She comes back to the guy at the end of the week and she tosses it back to him. She says, everything in that book is correct and you shouldn't know any of it. And that was a, and you that, shouldn't, and I shouldn't, you shouldn't know any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it gives Secrets. away the game. Yeah. It gives away the it gives away the uh, the mechanics, the underpinnings of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of the the dance between men and women. And that's that's when I get hate from from guys. It's usually because they're they don't know how to apply this, mm-hmm. or it conflicts with a very deeply held ideology, like their ego invested in this what we call you know the blue pill ideas, where it's like this is what you've been taught from from a, from a societal perspective, from a Western societal perspective. This is how men are. This is how women are, and this is what you can expect from. Them. And then they'll get into that point where they have. Um, or they have that bad breakup, or they have that bad divorce, or they're going through some kind of trauma. And it's only at that point where they go, they start questioning about, you know, was what I taught, you know, for real or not. And so this, you know, the, the work that I do kind of steps in and fills in those blanks. So I'm sure that a lot of our conversation is going to be based around the red pill and being red pilled and blue pill. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's a black pill. I don't know if there's a white pill, but mm-hmm. would you break down what each of these pills are and exactly? I wish we could get past the stupid pill thing. Okay. Why is <laughs> I really that, wish I really wish we could. Okay. So first and foremost, the red pill um, in the way that I talk about it, mm-hmm. um, it I, I only refer to it in terms of intersexual dynamics. Okay. Um, Ever since we started using that terminology, and I can go back to my old forum posts from 2004 and show you the, the posts where we were, we were talking about the matrix and unplugging it, because that mm-hmm. was the closest analogy, workable analogy. And so over the years, since I you know, peg it at about 2004, over the years, um, it has morphed into like MRAs, MGTOWs, the black pill, which is a more like despondent, nihilistic doom, doomers, the doom pill kind of thing. Um, like a hopelessness. And then there's the guys who are simply red pill where they take this, this information and they use it to their, to their own benefit. Uh, as far as a blue pill is concerned, we, we tend to refer to that as like, uh, your sort of upbringing, your, your understanding as society would like you to believe how things, you know, work. Um, white pill is just something that's sort of, it's, it's more like the purple pill at this point where it's, uh, you got the, the red pill and the blue pill and guys become red pill and they, they read the book and they become aware of intersexual dynamics, but it conflicts with their ideologies or their religions or their philosophies. And so what they'll do is they'll pick and pull parts out of, out of, uh, out of my book or whoever's, you know, podcast they happen to be, you know, watching and then, Use that and and jump on top of that, and then just reject whatever parts that don't fit in with their ideologies. Um, so really, the white pill is just sort of this. It's it's a it's meant to be sort of this positivity movement, but again, it just picks and pulls from from red pill awareness. Let's just say. Um, again, I really wish we could get past the red pill because I, I remember back in like 2015, 2016, when Trump was running for office, everybody suddenly was red pilled about 
politics or yeah. red pilled about whatever, whatever your pet ideology happened to be. And that was, you know, the blue pill was false and the red pill was true. Then therefore, you know, the red pill became a verb. You're right? saying how do politics I become a, kind of hijacked yeah. your well, for phrases instance, you've been using for a decade plus. For instance, uh, Candace Owens, when she was on Twitter, she used to call herself red pill black. That was her handle on, on Twitter before she became Candace. Right. Yeah. And so it was this appropriation of what seemed like a good you know, tag or a hashtag or a buzzword mm -hmm. that worked at that time. Now, I would I would say that a lot of people will say, oh, I, I got red pilled about politics. I got red pilled about this. But mm -hmm. it's not as as uh, I guess appropriating from what had come before it as it is right now. So, but let's go back. By the way, the purple thing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the first thing I thought about when he said purple pill is being at the Mushroom Mountain a couple of times, once or twice, <laughs> but nothing comes close to the <laughs> yellow and uh, purple pills, right? You know who said that? Is this said a that? D12? Is this M&M? <laughs> <laughs> that's wow. where I went all the way. That's where you yeah. stopped listening. I, I, I went to straight to <laughs> yellow and purple pills. Yeah. Pat just busted a 2001 M&M track. Anyways, but go, going back to it. So, mm -hmm. look, the, the one part I like how you explained um, – the fact that women go through different phases, mm -hmm. so do men. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for myself, I say, okay, I can see some of that stuff making sense to some people, and I totally can see that, meaning how men change once they get married, how women change once they get married. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, some women are like, well, my man is no longer interested in me like mm -hmm. he used to be. And some men are like, well, you know, my girl's no longer, my woman's no longer interested in me like she used to be, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if, if you don't mind going through the phases we go through. So when I'm 18 years old, I'm in the Army, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what do you have on, you know, there's only one thing on your mind, right? Oh, yeah. That's reading a lot yeah. of business books. I mean, obviously, the only <laughs> thing on my mind Clearly. was I want to yes. read business books, <laughs> math analysis, trigonometry. Right. That was a main yeah outcome of my life at that time. I'm lifting weights. I'm fired up. I got a lot of testosterone. We're running a bunch of miles every day. Mm -hmm. And somehow, somewhere you got to release it. So 18 to whatever age, mm -hmm. then you get to a point, you look at the market and you say, okay, that girl chose that guy over me. What the hell are we talking about here? Mm -hmm. That guy is a schmuck, but he's making money and he's going to get over me. This doesn't make any sense. And I don't even like his attitude. He's mm -hmm. like so, you know, so you're like, okay, let me go try to see, compete in a different way. Then you go maybe a little bit more into career. You get focused. And mm -hmm. if you do it early on, you have the ability to win. But what phases do men go through? And if you can mm -hmm. kind of go all the way through to maybe 50. Sure. And what phases do women go through? I'd be really curious Okay, well, it's, it's actually easier for me to start with women because I wrote, I wrote, the second book is exactly yeah. about that. I, uh, I pegged it as at a timeline. Now, there is a very famous graph that I uh, published way back in like 2013 or 2014 it's a it's two bell curves. It's when women are at their peak of their sexual market value versus when men are at the peak of their sexual market value. And in in many different ways, men and women do not mature at the same rate. OK, even when it comes to like puberty, when it comes to, you know, like girls mature a lot faster than boys do. And they get to a point where they're they're uh, Is that what you're what you're talking about? Yeah, that's about. the one I'm can talking about. Right David, there. So they can yeah, see it. But yeah, go ahead. Keep one. going. We're listening. So I, and I, you know, I'll tell you, it's funny is when I was writing the essay where I put that out there, I was like, this is like. In, kind of instinctive to me. And then a lot of people ran me up the flagpole for, for putting this one out there. And then over the course of the last, say, like almost 10 years now, there's been so many data sets and so many so much research that backs this up. And I, I almost get chills thinking how accurate it was when I was writing it. 
But what the, where I peg women as far as their, the, their peak sexual market value is right around 22 or 23 years old. That's when men find women the most attractive across the board. 23, 24. 23, okay. 24, right, right around there. So 15 all the way up to 95, that's the age at which men find women the most attractive. For, for women finding men attractive, it staggers. So statistically speaking, women find men three to seven years older than they are as more attractive. Now, there's a difference between arousal and attraction. And a lot of people sort of mistake yeah. this. If you ask a woman, what do you find attractive in a man? She's going to tell you all these long-term security you know, traits that a guy has to have. You say, what do you find arousal? What gets you hot about a guy? Uh, let's see. He's got to have, you know, V taper. He's got to have, you know, tw- you know, 26 inch guns. He's got to have six pack abs. He's got to have, you know, a chiseled jawline. That's, that's a difference. So, um, when men get to be about 36 years old is when I peg them at being their at their sexual market value peak because that is assuming the man makes the most of his potential, mm-hmm. is you know developing himself, becoming something, uh, lives up to his burden of performance. Let's just say at 36 to 37 somewhere in there, that's when he starts hitting his stride. That's the point at which he has the potential to have the most of what makes him the most attractive to women overall. So if you stay on your game, you're working out and you're on top of your business and you are on, you know, you have ambition, you have confidence. A lot of that takes a lot longer for men to develop than it does for women to get to their point of, of, of sexual, you know, marketability. And so. Uh, one of the things we always talk about in sort of the manosphere or the red pill of communities is that men must become and women just are. So when women get to the point where it's like they're at 23, that's when men want them the most. So that's that's number one. Men must become, become and women just women are. Just are. Huh. So, because so, so does that mean, just to stay on that, mm-hmm. and I'm, I want you to continue. So mm-hmm. does that mean uh, 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 it, for a man to increase the market value, wait till a 36, 37? I don't think that's what you're saying either. No, no, no. But I'm saying that that's going to be the point at which you will have the potential to have the most of what will make you the most attractive And that's based at that on what? Time. That's based on what? Well, based on, 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 on physicality. Also, okay. the fact that women want a man who's older. I think uh, on an instinctive level, women want a guy who has the, uh, more maturity, has more of a capability or proven capability to be the winner that they want to get with. With. Well, those guys don't tend to be part of their own peer group. They tend to be the guys who ha- who are more mature because they have had longer yeah. to I don't know become partner at the you know law firm or get become a surgeon or whatever it is that they find as sort of you know, status wise as high value, but also um, to stay on top of their game, build themselves up, and have a better judge of character. There's a lot of things like if you look at the prerequisites that women have on the most common dating sites. It is this laundry list of he's got to be funny. He's got to be hot. He's got to love his mom. He's got to like puppies. He's got to want kids. He's got to want, he got, you know, have ambition. He's got to be confident and just on and on and on and on for men. It's, she's got to be hot. She's got to be available. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. And so when you go and you look at the this, uh, it's almost like filling out a, a job application mm-hmm. when you're going on, say, like, you know, Tinder, when well, I have Tinder so much, but like, you know, an, an online dating, which is the number one way that men and women find each other today and start, you know, start mm-hmm. dating. So when you have that as sort of the prerequisite, well, women understand that it takes longer for men to develop into what's going to make them the most attractive and to mature into that. And as a result, that has to coincide with what they're going through. So when, women, when a woman is between, say, 18 and 28 years old, that's her peak window to find the guy that has the most of what she's going to need in the future. So if you look at it this way, a woman between 18 and 28 years old, she's got about a 10-year window there to secure what she's going to need as long-term security for the rest of her life. 
So that's a that's a lot of Pressure. especially today. That's a lot of stress yeah. on on women right now to find that guy. Yeah. So would it not stand to reason that they're going to look for a guy who is already a winner, a turnkey relationship where she can go and say, "Oh, you make a lot of money. You've done a lot with yourself. Um, yeah, I'm I'm ready to you know ride or die with you." Or she's going to have to look for a guy who has the potential to mm-hmm. become that guy when he's 36, 37 years old at his peak. So women will go through that, the phase of what I call it. You know, I call it the party years. I was just saying that it was it's the it's the point at which women are sort of like expo- they have the most sexual selectivity during those years. Other people will call it the hoe phase. Not my words, their words. Yeah. Um, and then they'll get to a point where it's uh, 29 to about 31 years old, which is what I call the epiphany phase. And that's when women go, I'm done with the jerks. I don't want to I don't want to have that anymore. I want to do things right. I want to get right with God. I want to have a right relationship. And unfortunately, in our, our Western society right now, that's often too late for women at 30, 31, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, well, yeah. not not saying necessarily it's the wall, like they don't look good anymore. Yeah. They do the wall. When we talk about the wall, the wall doesn't begin here. It begins up here. It's acknowledging that they are not as sexually competitive in the sexual marketplace at 33 as they were when they were 23. You think that applies still to today? With, with all Absolutely. The, with all the, uh, 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 what do you call it, you know? Plastic surgery, yeah. you're saying? I mean, with all the well, you, oh, yeah, there's ways do. to forestall that, for right, sure. Right, right. Yeah. But you're saying at 33, that's 30, uh, 29 or 31, that's the age. Well, the the for most women, their 33-year-old self could not compete on the same level in the sexual marketplace as her 23-year-old self. But also, yeah. kids play a major factor in this. After Absolutely. you have kids, oh, yeah. And yeah, decisions not make, even make so a much what it does on your body. Oh. Like, if I like, I'm single, uh, 41 now, mm-hmm. 42, 43, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at least according to uh, certain mm-hmm. online dating profiles, mm-hmm. um, for three years in a row, years. 41. Yeah. I'm 40 yeah. again, guys. Congratulations. <laughs> By You're the married. way, yeah. we, we we didn't do even do a happy birthday here. We took Thank you out to dinner. Well, we have to, we, yeah. Adam just had a birthday <laughs> a couple again. days Amazing. ago. Turned forty years old for the first time in the last you know couple of years, whatever. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, we, I anyway, it's Adam's PPD. birthday. Do you lie yes. on your on your dating profiles? By one year, maybe. <laughs> um, the the Rolo, this is about asking you <laughs> okay, questions, right, bro. No. <laughs> But it's always but, a you know, but, but you know, if, if you yeah. want to uh, keep going, I'm actually mm-hmm. curious because mm-hmm. you said 30, you know, you're now at 30, 29 to 31 years old. You went mm-hmm. to 36. Well, mm-hmm. male, you know, peak market value mm-hmm. is 36 to 37 right. years old. Female market value based on your mm-hmm. rationale is 20 to 23 to 20, 24. Mm-hmm. Continue. What happens okay. after well, that? Well, not necessarily my rationale. This is this is backed up by research and data. There's a great book called Dataclism, and it was written by the guy who was the founder, I believe, of OKCupid. And... Um, Today in the internet you know, age, we now have data that we never had in the history of humanity right, right. now, especially, I don't know if you guys, are, I, I brought this up when I was on You Are Here with Elijah Schaefer. Um, if you go and you look at the Pornhub um, blog site, not the Pornhub site, but- All they, you I look do is Pornhub, watch the blog yeah, site. Yeah, just read Pornhub, the- That's well, my just, favorite website. But, uh, they, just put, they just produced the, uh, the stats for 2021. Um, of basically what what were the search you know terms what were the most misspelled search terms yeah and and by state like who who looks for what and we have such accurate data 
Um, uh, that tells you uh, like about, the peak market we, value we is 23. Never had really? That. We have never had I that. I can actually well, see that. Well, yeah. I can actually see so, data. So what were some that. of the so, biggest well, findings? So anyways, and I, I don't mean so much on, on, on the Pornhub thing, but like in a, in a dataclism, that's mm-hmm. where I get that. Uh, that's where my, the basis of the hmm. idea that men find only, you know, find that age of woman the most attractive because it's, it's from their data sets. Um, for women, it's uh, if the woman is like say twenty five, she's looking for a guy. The guy's more attractive is about twenty seven, maybe twenty eight, and then it staggers up. At the older that woman gets, the older the men get. So mm-hmm. it's sort of this you know staggering. For men, it's only twenty two, twenty three, mm-hmm. twenty across the board from all the way from like fifteen year old guys in in high school all the way up to ninety five year old guys in you know assisted living. So. Um, that's uh, everything I'm getting at here is not opinion pieces. All of this is backed up by hard, hard data that anybody can find, by the way, you, we have Google right now. We can, I, I quote data sets from evolutionary psychologists, anthropologists, neuro, you know, psychologists, sociologists, there's all kinds of data sets that we've never had before. So it's not just me sort of pulling this out of my ass. It is based on research that has, you know, been going on really in some cases since like the seventies, but all the way up to where we are right now. So when we get to sort of what I call the epiphany phase, 29 to 31 years old, that's when women decide that that's, you know, I'm going to have to check out of the sexual marketplace. I got to find a guy to go forward from here. And that's when women will express the most frustration with men. They will say, where are the nice guys? Where are the guys that, that how come these guys don't have their shit together? How come they, they, uh, they haven't gone to college? How come I can't find the guy that I want to go forward into life with right now? And that's a whole nother topic to, to get into when we talk about the crisis of masculinity. But when they get to that point at, at 29 to 30, you know, three years old, somewhere around there, that is when the, that's when that sort of angst comes in. If you look at the, uh, another data set, if you look at the, the average age of first marriage, it occurs right around 29.8, I think, or almost wow. about 30 yeah. for men and about 28 to 29 years old for women today. And that is in the United States. It's even older in the UK. So there's only other. a one year difference yeah, is what you're saying? That is exactly where I pegged it on that, on that chart. Exactly. Now you said you're Gen X, so you're give or take 50? I'm, I'm 53. 53. Looking good, bro. And how much, uh, how much of an age difference between you and your wife? Uh, let's just say there's a three-year difference. So let's just yeah. say there's a three-year yeah. difference. Yeah. So when she hears you use this terminology, 23, 25, is uh-huh. she like, Rolo, step into my office, mother sucker. We have no. a problem here. No. How do you di- grapple with not that so being married? Not like, at you have all. kids? I have kids. I have a daughter. Okay, so how do you grapple with that saying what you say versus living what you live? Mm-hmm. Well, I have an obligation to uh, objective truth. And I, of course, picked that up from Dr. Godsod. Thank you. Um, but it, it is incumbent upon me to tell things like it is. And sometimes that can come off as sounding like it's angry or it's, it's uh, cynical or it's pessimistic. Some may call it rational. Some would call it rational. Um, really, that's a, sort of a conflict I, I have written about quite a bit about the, uh, the war between rationality and reason versus emotionalism right now. Um, my wife is on board, let's just say, with about 90 Eight percent of what I've ever written, um, and it just okay. sort of depends on mood for the last two percent. So you know the next question <laughs> exactly. What's yes, the two percent? Exactly, and that's the first thing anybody says. Well, I think it's more about like what is what is most uh, expedient if, when it comes to women's mating strategy versus men's mating strategy. Which one should be the the predominant one that like decides how we're going to live in a, you know a, a post twenty first century world right now? 
which mating strategy defines our social policy, which mating strategy, whether it's men or it's women. We used to call it patriarchy, right? Now, patriarchy, by the way, died right around 1965. It died the year after hormonal birth control was introduced. Very, very slowly, but it died right at that point. And when I talk about, um, when I get into like emotionalism versus rationalism, I get this question all the time. It's like, well, what does your wife disagree with you about? Like, that's the one little, like, yeah, but there's 98% that she course, does bro. agree with. So um, usually it's just, it's, it's more, more or less it's logistics, not, not necessarily like a, a particular a point in the book per se. Um, But do you say things to your wife like, you better stay hot for me, baby. You're getting a little bit older. You're not in those, not in those words. Let's But in, in yeah. your in your my, innuendos, my, my my wife looks very. My wife, both both of us have a commitment to staying in shape, right? Okay. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's innuendos. Yeah, there's there's a certain game that goes along with that. It's not like uh, it's not like it's something that it's like conscious at this point. I say this on my own uh, podcast. It's like I am the game right now because I've been doing this so long. I've been studying this for so long that it's become second nature. It's 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 internalized. So am I going to it's not an ultimatum if that's what you're asking. It's no, like, I hey, you better do this because or or it's so, not like she goes through my book and she goes, well, I, it looks like you're using this point right here on me. Like it doesn't <laughs> work. Like It's playing the game. Yeah. Play with her and play <laughs> with her. So you're you're uh, the market of dating and alpha male. You know, there's a bunch of them right now, right on mm -hmm. YouTube that are doing this. And there's mm -hmm. some younger guys that are doing it. There's some married guys that are doing it. There's mm -hmm. some. Girls that are doing it, you know, women are doing it. Bunch of bunch of folks are testing this out because I think there's a need for it. People want to mm, know absolutely. how to increase their market value, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, now if somebody listens to this, they're like, "Shit, what if I pass that age? I'm kind of discouraged. What do I do? Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not at that prime age, or I'm not at mm -hmm. this age. So, what what is the non-natural? Because I know when you use the word natural, what mm -hmm. is the what can the non-natural do to increase their market value, both men mm -hmm. and women? Um, as far as sexual market value is concerned, yeah, like, like, okay. like, like you say mm -hmm. you're available, you're single. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're in a marketplace right now. And you're like, listen, maybe you're at not, not at the best place career wise. Mm -hmm. You're kind of trying to get it together. Maybe you're trying to make a comeback mm -hmm. and maybe you're somebody, you're a woman who is, you know, 34 years old and you're single and your last relationship didn't work out. Maybe you're mm -hmm. a single mother right now mm -hmm. and you left your husband or vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. You're by yourself. What can that person do to increase their market value to be okay. attractive to the opposite okay. sex? Um, very easy for men. Um, there's, uh, there's three core aspects and really four if you think about it. There's uh, make muscles, make money, and learn game. And in terms of game, I mean like social skills uh, that a lot of guys, by the way, are very lacking these days. And then as the fourth uh, part of that is, is uh, hold frame. Like, so once you have built that world, of, you know, with uh, make money, make muscles, learn game, then you have frame as a part of that. And again, this is a psychological, sociological term. Like, what's the frame right now? Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with just, you know, interpersonal relationships. It can be your boss. It can be your, your, your mom or your dad and your family. They're like frame is like whoever's frame, psychological frame you're entering into or they're entering, entering into yours. So when, when we're looking at uh, guys sort of coming back from, from being like, okay, I'm deficient in these areas. Mm -hmm. Most men, when they, 
when they find what works for them, they gross out in one of those areas. So I, I don't make a lot of money. I'm kind of poor, but man, I can go bench four, you know, 400 pounds. Sure. Right? I'm, I'm in the 300 club, right? I can, whatever it is, I can, I can maximize my looks and everything at the cost of my deficiency in say money or even in game. We see a lot of this in the black pill communities right now where they think it's nothing but looks. It's, you know, to the point where they're you know, doing jaws or size so they can get a better, you know, jawline or doing, you know, cosmetic surgery as a result of this really kind of obsessive uh, misunderstanding that it's all about, it's only about looks, okay? So what you would think that these guys would be like, you know, uh, gym bros or they would be like personal trainers or something, but that's one area that is, if, if you're deficient in one of those areas, you tend to gross out another. So what I would suggest is look at which areas you tend to be really strong at and then look at where you, you tend to be weak at. Most guys, if they're weak in money, they, they, they tend to gross out in looks. If they're, if they're fat and they don't look very good or they're not naturally good looking, they tend to gross out in money and say, well, it's all about the money and all I have to do is just pay for everything and, and girls will want to come to me. And then it's like there, there's the game aspect of it. Well, I don't have either of those, but I'm very charming. And so therefore I can, you know, I, I know people's psychology and you tend to gross out in that area as well. My suggestion to guys is if you want to have a, if you really want to build yourself up, look where you're weak in those three core three things, because the fourth is to have frame as a result of all of those three things. So if you are not in good shape, which what is it? Not 75% of the United States population is like overweight and like 40% is like morbidly obese. That's usually the best place to start. Get your fat ass in the gym. That will help you out with, with your, uh, just not necessarily the, just the look side of things, but it'll help you feel better mm -hmm. because you're, you know, releasing stress and there's, there's a chemical, a biochemical aspect that goes along with that. If you're deficient in money, people will say, well, how do I get on my game with money? Uh, crypto. How do I do? How do I become an entrepreneur? How do I um, be, learn a trade? How do I like I'm, I'm better at these things? Find out what your core strengths are. Um, primarily, if I'm when I'm telling guys like they, they ask me this question, uh, first and foremost, I say, what is sedating you? Is it pornography? Is it booze? Is it uh, prescription drugs? Is it your uh, I mean, your addiction to World of Warcraft? Whatever it is, whatever that yeah. is, sort of your escape. Video games. It's a life that is it's better to live in your escape than it is in your shitty real life. That's I think that's the first and foremost is find out what's sedating you because you can't address any of those core three until you decide until you figure out what's keeping you in bed all day long and you're not you don't want do to you think do this anything. metaverse concept is going to help that it's or gonna, hurt that I, I, it's funny we've just talking about this um yeah i think it's gonna i think it's gonna hurt because it's going to be more like um, i think a more immersive experience right if uh, you're than, not happy with your life just well, go check into the I mean, metaverse good well, luck out well, there well remember but. when world of warcraft and those uh online role-playing games came out and everybody was you know neglecting their children because they were too busy you know trying to level up um, if that's human nature, imagine what it's going to be like when we get into the metaverse. And we're already talking about like, you know, women are, are uh, filing suit against meta for like being, you know, sexually assaulted yeah, in, yeah. in the metaverse right now. And you're already seeing like real world problems sort of being transferred over into into the, the metaverse. Like we're already it's a natural shift over. But I, yeah, I think that, that that will be an escape. That will be a sedation to keep you locked in place, to keep you in neutral. Um, for women, um, my my biggest concern with women, and it's funny you brought up, uh, you know, what if you're a divorced mom of, of five or whatever, um, and you want to get back into the game. Well, first and foremost, you have to remember what it is that men are looking for uh, and at what what particular age. Uh, I'm 53 years old. If I were to find myself single, I'm not going to be looking for a woman who is, say, like 25 years old because 
I've already gone through that phase of life. I'm mature enough and I can think critically enough to go, you know what? It might be fun, you know, to, to have a fling with that person, but you're not going to build a life with that person going forward. Yeah, a lot of forward. people in Palm Beach would disagree with you. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, and that's how you get sugary sites. 18 people in Palm Beach that yeah. got offended, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Go ahead, continue. So for, as, as far as women are concerned, um, I think women need to uh, look, uh, see the forest for the trees right now. I don't think a lot of women uh, look ahead long term. Uh, I work with these guys, Fresh and Fit, which are in uh, in Miami here, yeah. um, and you're probably familiar with them. Uh, they have one of the number one podcasts, and certainly in Southern Florida, if not you know dating podcasts over the world. Um, they bring in women regularly, and yeah. you'll say, "Well, they're all you know ratchet hoes from the clubs or whatever like that." No but, disagreement. Yeah, here, really. but um, but and so you can, but when you listen to these girls, they all have the same stories. I'm 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 looking for a guy who is you know the guy who's going to take me on yacht parties. I'm looking mm. for this. I'm looking for a guy who's got money. I'm looking for. It seems like they're looking at in you know sort of towards the future, but what they're not understanding is that at the at their point of life, say like. Like I said, 18 to 28 years old, they don't realize that their sexual selectivity is like the party's going to be over at some mm-hmm. point because they're going to be replaced by the next cycle of 18 to 28 year olds that come in. So, you know, the joke is this is, you know, they called the store forever 21, not forever 41, right. because you're looking for you, you, women are always looking back at that peak uh, that those peak years. Because that's when they had their they're at the top of their agency. They're at the top of their power, the power curve that I was saying before. And they, they constantly look back to that. And as as women go forward, I think there's almost a blue pill for women as well, mm. which is we sell women on this idea of what I call fempowerment. And we've been doing this really since 1970, since the, the, the uh, sexual revolution. Where we want to put women into the workplace. We want to uh, we want to have special dispensation for them in colleges. We want to get them into STEM fields. We want to give them access to you know Pell Grants and all kinds of uh, ways to sort of you know build them up, put them into the workforce, put them into politics, put them into the economy uh, as much as possible. And the problem is, is that what happens is women end up becoming the men they want to marry. They end up becoming the quote unquote alpha female or the boss babe or whatever it is now. Um, and they can't understand why they can't find a guy who is their quote unquote equal who doesn't want to have anything to do with them because, Catastrophic, because by the way. anybody who is better than they are status wise is not looking for a quote unquote alpha female. They're looking for the girl who's 23 years old, who's feminine and, and wants to have, you know, go forward and have kids and has, a, you know, say, well, she's submissive, whatever. Mm-hmm. I counsel women today who tell me I can't find a guy. I can't find a guy who is uh, my equal, but he's got to, you know, they're not going to college. Men are, are enrolling at like 40% versus 60% yep. for women right now. Yep. I'm sure you've probably seen those yep. stats. Um, and so there's this socioeconomic disparity between men and women right now that's causing this divide, but it's also mm-hmm. this expectation. And we expect women to sort of dumb themselves down so that they can get with a guy who, th- you know, up to that point, they've been raised on these ideals that they should never settle, that they should never settle for anything less than the best. And, you know, statistically speaking, the best is making 58% more than that woman does to forestall divorce. When a woman gets a, uh, a rise in pay or she gets a, a you know a promotion at work that is what precipitates divorce in uh, couples where they were making the same or or she was making less and now she's making more 
Those are simple biological evolutionary realities. You know what I would want to know? You know, here's what I would want to know, because he's right. Not not what what he just said is right. He's right with the data side. Everything's Mm -hmm. out there with data, right? Yes. I would love to. Tyler, see if you can search this while we're talking. David, leave the camera on us. I'm seeing if Tyler can find this. I would want to know. I probably have it. Well, if you have the data, (laughs) tell us. We'd pull it up to show it. I would want to know, what is the average rate of a woman that divorces a man, her income to her, versus man to a woman. I don't know if that makes sense or not. So woman files a divorce to the man, man files a divorce to the woman. What's the income? Okay. I'd, I'd be just curious the, to know the because- income difference. Yeah, it would be yeah. income difference. I have a friend of mine that uh, he's been married to his wife, uh, Rolo, for 15 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's a lawyer. She makes a couple hundred grand a year. Mm-hmm. He's a stay-home dad and she's crazy about him. Mm-hmm. She would never leave him. And he has no desire to go be a career guy. He drops off the kids in the morning, makes them breakfast, mm-hmm. packs their lunch, and he's he's not a uh, he's not a softy. Like if you looked mm-hmm. at him, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, this guy's a little pansy." Yeah. He's, a, he's he's not. And then they're happily married. He's not career driven. He wants to be the soccer dad. Is who he is. He's exactly what a soccer mom is, except he's a soccer dad. She's not a mm-hmm. cook. He is, and they're happily married. Mm-hmm. And that's working out for them, right? Mm-hmm. But I also have friends who will call me and they'll say, I say, what's going on? I say, you sound like you're upset. What's, what's pissing you off? Something's bothering you. Well, yeah, listen, man. I mean, I don't know. I'm like, finally, so let's just say we're having a conversation. They'll, they'll open up and they'll say, you know, would it bother you if your wife made more money than you? Mm-hmm. He asked me this question, open-ended question. You know, we're like three, four guys. We're talking, shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. Would it bother you if your wife made more money than you? I said, why do you ask? He said, well, that's what happened with me. My wife just got a raise right now. And we got some fights at the house. I said, why does that bother you? Well, I feel like I have to be the one making more money. So psychologically, he couldn't accept it. Hmm. So does that concept vary based on men and women? Because sometimes I see women who are stronger personalities Hmm. marry a guy who is not necessarily an Hmm. alpha. He's a little bit more of a chill, it's okay, nothing pisses him off. And that works out. Because I think the one thing about these philosophies is, Hmm. from my experience, I don't think there's anything that's an absolute truth. Right, mm-hmm. I think there's generalities mm-hmm. and there's majority, mm-hmm. and then you got the exception, mm-hmm. you know, the, to the rule. What would you say to that? Okay, well, first and foremost, the idea that um, that men and women uh, are equal is a misnomer because I think what we do is when we talk, like I, people throw me under the bus for this one, but I don't, I don't believe in equality, and I don't mean that in the terms of like, oh, we shouldn't all like strive to be equal. I just think that our understanding of what is equal is sort of out. It's it's subjective and it's obscure and it's it's you know relative to whatever uh, the challenges are that uh, men and women face in you know in life. So if I wanted to get pregnant, I'm a man. That, I can't do that because I'm a man. So that seems very unfair and unequal between the two of us. Well, it just Apple depends thinks on, you can though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Apparently so. <laughs> Apple thinks you can. Can you pull up the new emoji by Apple? Apple thinks <laughs> yes, you can. I don't yes, know how. Exactly. I, I haven't figured out yet. But yeah. But it's a painful but, experience. But but biologically speaking, reality, objectively speaking, there are there are always going to be uh, differences between men and women, and how we define what's equality and what's justice and what's fair and what's not fair is really just dependent on what the challenge is. 
So if I'm flying out here on the on the plane and some lady says, can you please put my bag in the overhead because because you're taller than I am and you're stronger than I am and you can put it up in, yeah. the, in the overhead. Well, that seems very, no, go, you know, we're all equal. Go ahead, you, you do it, right? I'm not going to defend you. I don't, you know, we're all equal today, right? No, I'm going to go, of course, pick it up and put it in there for her. But that's what I'm talking about. What's the challenge? And the challenge in this case is just simply taking your, you know, luggage and putting it in the overhead bin, right? So when we when we talk about equality, we need to say what's the, what's the challenge under what parameters? What's the context that we're talking about here? So when you're talking about your friends who are, uh, you know, the man is sort of like the Mr. Mom, right? He's the stay at home dad. Yeah. He wants to be the soccer soccer dad or whatever else. Um, odds are that uh, what does she do for a living? A lawyer. A lawyer. Yeah. Okay. And what is what did he do before he became this, or what, how do they meet? I don't think the, he's ever had a full time. Okay. Is he a good looking dude? There's probably something he was. that offsets. He was. The, there's probably something that offsets. What do you mean he was? He that. was very handsome. Right and, now he's got a massive happened? belly and just uh, he's got the dad bod and he's just some women find mm-hmm. dad bods hot. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying to you. But here's the thing though, <laughs> what are you going to change about that's working? They're mm-hmm. good with it, and they've been together 15 years. Are mm-hmm. they doing something wrong? So, you but know, that's it, not that's the anomaly. Exception. That's right? what I'm saying. That's that is the exception to the rule. I agree with that. So, uh, all I'm trying to say is the the one part that Adam I will see is like you know in, in the company we have a lot of couples in the sales mm-hmm. company. So, I'll see sometimes the the wife is a bigger alpha than the husband yes. is, and he's okay with that. Like he doesn't have the insecurity of saying, I want to be the alpha. That the, the fact that he doesn't have that insecurity makes him an alpha. I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yes. The fact that he's not trying to impose is like, dude, I'm I'm so happy. And they're killing it. Okay. And then you got some guys that are the alpha and the wife is supporting them, some that run together. But that's that's very much an exception to the yeah. rule because especially in blue collar couples, I mean, you're talking about somebody who makes a lot of money in a completely so different socioeconomic class. You're looking at a larger whole. Women uh, file for divorce 70% of the time. And that's the lowest estimate I have. Actually, I have higher estimates as well. Um, and so three out of four times so, it's the woman so looking for what, the divorce. What precipitates that is usually that woman has gone, their blue-collar workers, have, uh, the woman has gone up in, in status as a result of a promotion or whatever. And now the guy is making less money. Or in the case of your friend here, he was never making that much money in the first place. Now, your lawyer friend goes to you know the practice and she's having to defer to men who are her authorities, who are her superiors, guys who are very powerful, high-status guys that she has to interact with every day. Is she going to come home from that situation and go back to her soccer dad husband and say, yeah, I will. I'm going to submit to my husband. I'm going to, you know, are we going to suddenly come back into that traditional conventional gender role after working 40 hours a week with guys who are much higher status than the guy that she has to come home to every day who's changing diapers and, and, you know, cooking mac and cheese. So, that is the power dynamic that goes along yeah. in there because women are looking for a man that they can look up to. They can, women cannot look up to a man who is her equal. She's looking for a guy who makes more money than she does. She's looking for a guy who is uh, more on top of his game as a quote-unquote dominant alpha male. She's looking for the guy who is, is in status-wise above herself. If there is some sort of anomaly that's going on there where she's like, oh, I'm, I'm good with it because he's a good-looking guy – uh, I would have to say, well, what's her situation as well? So it's not just about like, okay, was he a good looking dude? As you said, he was. What is her situation? Again, money, muscles, game, and frame. So where does he fit in on those core four right there? Uh, You'd probably good- say she's more attractive than him. You would say so? You would say so. Okay. Yeah. So 
in that case, and he's not a porn star, so he's yeah, not packing. Yeah, you know, I, I know I, where I, you're I, going to go yeah, next. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no, yeah. Well, I mean, those the, you have to take that into consideration. Right? Yeah. You have to say, okay, well, she she wants to get with this guy. I mean, I know dozens and dozens of women who are actually at least two of them are my clients right now who complain that they can't find the guy who is that higher status guy. And so they have to sort of dumb themselves down. I'm not saying you should. I'm yeah. saying they feel like they have to dumb themselves down just so they can get with a guy because more men are simply not, average women don't want to get with average men. They want the guy who they can look up to and admire. And from a, uh, you know, a, an average American uh, perspective, like blue collar workers, when that woman is elevated to a different position, that's what precipitates divorce. So, so uh, you're familiar with Gloria Allred. You know who Gloria yeah, yeah. Allred is? Okay. The attorney. Yes. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we are sold a philosophy by somebody who has had dramatic life experiences that we haven't had. Right. But they impose their philosophies onto you and you kind of sit there and say, I'm going to buy that. But you shouldn't buy that because it may not work for your life. It's extra. But because the other person is such a better salesperson, it's so much emotion into it, you buy into it, right? You got to be very careful which philosophies are people you buy. So I remember when I interviewed her, Gloria Allred. We're in her office. I walk in. And, you know, she she's a perfect, like she's the, for people that don't know who Gloria Allred is, how do you define who she is? She's or a Michael uh, Jordan Tyler? of sexual harassment lawsuits, lawsuits right? Can yeah. we say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Attractive older woman, accomplished. By the way, I had the most incredible time sitting down with her when the interview was done, because things got heated. When the interview was done, I said, can I hug you? She says, you know what, Patrick? All you have to do is ask. That's the key. Yep. I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. So she gave me the biggest hug. Mm-hmm. We laughed it out. But I pushed her. She pushed me. I said, look, Gloria, you talk about feminism and women's rights and all this stuff. How many people you got working here? A lot. Why is it that the front desk clerk was a woman, but all your partner's pictures on the wall, they're all men? Well, well, well are you, how about you, Patrick? Are you not a bigot? It was like such an interesting dynamic. Yeah. But then I said, I want to find out about this later. lady. Mm-hmm. When I looked at her documentary, looked at study stuff uh, on her, when she was in Cancun, do you know the story about what happened to her in Cancun yeah. in Mexico? So when she was younger, in her early uh, mid-20s, very attractive girl, she goes to a doctor. She meets a doctor. Doctor says, let's go back to my practice. I want to show you my office. In the office, she, he, she, he rapes her, okay? And she keeps it to herself for a while, but she creates this level of anger towards men, right? So later on, she gets married. Uh, to this man, then they get a divorce. I think after she gets a divorce, uh, you know, he ends up committing suicide. The guy kills himself, her first husband. And her second husband, she gets married. They get a divorce. She keeps the last name, but sues the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. And you saw what happened to her daughter. Her daughter is now kind of similar doing what she's doing. I don't know if you're following the fo- She's following her footsteps. Similar personality, strong personality. And she's out there saying, independent woman, independent woman, independent mm-hmm. woman, independent woman. And women are like, she's right. She's right. She's right. Mm-hmm. And it may work for some, but some actually do want to have a family, do want to have, oh, yeah. you know, do want to have a husband, do want to stay, you know, build something together with them. How do you differentiate between, you know, somebody who is selling a bag of goods that maybe worked for her because she had a painful experience? Mm-hmm. How do you process that? How do you get somebody who is listening to this saying, well, she's right. 
mm. versus saying, I don't know if that philosophy is going to work for me long term. It's, it's very difficult to make a rational argument with people who are like seated and steeped in emotionalism. And anger is definitely emotion yeah. and resentment and, and uh, you know, regret, um, revulsion. There's all kinds of mm -hmm. different emotions that go along with that. So I can be the most rational guy in the world and say, here's the statistics. Here's, here's the, the dynamics. Here's just the dots that I'm connecting. Yeah. I'm not going to change that person's mind. If we're, if, if she's having an emotional argument and I'm having a rational argument because we're talking past each other. Um, my, most people, when they have a, uh, a conflict of interest or they have like, oh, you, you believe in a philosophy. And I'm like, no, I don't believe in a philosophy. I believe in empirical data. Here it is. Uh, the only way they can win that, uh, that rational argument is by converting it into an emotional argument. And that's in a, in a nutshell, kind of what happens when you're trying to relate, um, red pill awareness, when you're trying to relate the kind of material that I do to people who are very, ego invested into like their personalities are dependent on that belief set. So unless they get to a point of crisis, unless they get to a point of, of really kind of desperation or they have, you know, through some miracle, they have some sort of insight about things. You're really probably not going to uh, change their minds about it. The best you can do is to present, you know, pick your battles, uh, ask, uh, lead the witness, right? Ask uh, pertinent questions at the time when those, when those topics arise. Um, but as far as like when we're talking about like this n cultural narrative of the power in uh, strong, independent yeah. woman right now, it's practically a brand. We've been talking about the strong, independent woman since 1970, since Gloria Steinem. OK. And why is that a broken philosophy? Why well, is that a it's, a, it's a broken philosophy for, for several reasons. Some people, some people okay. swear by it. Independent of what? What are women independent of? Men. They're independent of men's provisioning. So when we go back, remember I told you how everything goes back to the micro? Yeah. The micro level is this. For women, women's mating strategy is hypergamy, okay? And I mean that on two fronts. It's dual. It's not just one. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people mistake hypergamy as, oh, well, women marry up. It's not just about that. Women also are looking for short-term sexual genetic benefits. They want the hot guy in the foam cannon party in Cancun on spring break. You know, they want the hot fireman that arouses them and gets their blood boiling. And then they want the guy who's also, like I said, attraction, who is the guy who's a good long-term security prospect. So it's cads versus dads. That's the that's kind of like the dynamic that women have to choose. They have to find the mm -hmm. best fit between yeah. those two things. In today's society, really since 1970, we have developed a, a social order that has told women, you don't need to worry about long-term security. We've got, we've got no-fault divorce. We've got uh, child support laws. We've got uh, the Duluth model of feminism. We've got uh, more women in the workplace. I just go on down the line of all the benefits that, have, that women have accrued since the time of the sexual revolution. All of those point to one thing, which is long-term security for women. So when we're talking about like abortion on demand, that's a fail safe for bad reproductive choices. That is the function of abortion is to say, you know what? Well, I, 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 he's not I don't want, he's not a good prospect for the future, but this guy is. And so therefore we have that option. Just having that option. And that is exactly why women will fight tooth and nail to keep abortion legal. That's number one. You think that's the reason? Absolutely. That is the function of it. So women will say, well, it's because of, yeah, uh, you know, bad to say, what, really, what, what else is it? I mean, is it, is it, a uh, is it bad philosophy? Is it bad religion? Is it bad whatever? So, what so let's process what, that. So what, what is the, what is the is, purpose? What is the latent purpose So what purpose you're saying is, what you're saying is if, if a girl 
hooks up with an NFL player, she'll mm-hmm. keep the baby. But if she hooks up with a, you know, neighbor because mm-hmm. one night she was alone and he came, he was a school teacher, regular guy, mm-hmm. she may abort that baby but keep yes. the NFL. And That's a, what you're saying? And it's exactly why you have no seat at the table when we start talking about abortion laws. You don't have a uterus and therefore you don't get to t- you don't have a say. Mm-hmm. You know what NFL trained on that, by the way, just a side note, mm-hmm. NFL trained that every time you have sex with a condom, uh, uh, flush the flush account. It was the NBA, NBA. That yeah. did that. Too. I mean, well, now now it's everybody. Have but. you seen what happened recently in the news in the tabloids with Drake yeah. and the hot sauce and the condom right. situation? You know where he got that from was Tom Likas from back in the ninth. Because I did I did yeah. a segment on that. Everyone's like Tom Likas. Tom Likas. Who the <laughs> yes. hell is that? Tom Likas. Yes. <laughs> My question is like Drake. Why are you putting Cholula sauce in a freaking condom? Just flush it down mm-hmm. the toilet. I don't know if it was an environmentalist it was, or whatever. Um, I believe but, it was 2001. The NBA released a press release to all their players who were on road trips because they had such a high incidence of women that they were sleeping with while they were on road games. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, uh, they would use a condom and the women would, uh, let's say, inseminate themselves with the leftovers in the condom so that they could have a kid with an NBA player. Of course. So, that is a goal of many of the ladies It was ladies so common there. that they had to make a press release for that. And, of course, Tom Like is being the extreme guy. He was, you know, this is, well, you should put Tabasco sauce in there. So, like, when she does that, uh, she'll but, get But continue. You were saying, continue. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you were going to a point there with okay, feminism so, movement so and why it's not an effective strategy. Okay, abortion. So, so there, yeah. And that's just one, one factor that goes along. And so what we have done is we've established a social order where men are unnecessary. And women today will say this. We don't need men. We're strong. I don't need no man. I don't need no man, but I want a man. Okay. What man do you want to get with? What man is that? It's usually the guy who's the quote unquote stereotypical alpha Chad guy, hot guy in the foam cannon party. She wants the alpha seed side of hypergamy, not the beta need side, because at least there's this idea that that side of security, that side of her mating strategy is going to be settled. And when they get to the point where they're 33, 34, 35 years old and they're asking me, Rolla, where are all the good guys? How come I can't find a guy who is, you know, makes more money than me or is, is ready to go yeah. forward? They're all so irresponsible. They're all threatened by powerful, strong, powerful women. And the only answer I have for them is you have created yourself into the man that you wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. And so when, when women hit me up and they ask me about this and they say, OK, well, what can I do? What can I do to be uh, to to find a long term uh, a long term guy? And they're 34, 35 years old, and these, they get very, very frustrated. Mm. They're like, I'm, I guess I'm going to die alone. You know, I guess that, that they've resigned themselves to, to you know, being a, a spinster, let's just An say. An old spinster, exactly. And so what I say is, well, you know, what are the men uh, that you're looking for? What are they looking for in a woman? Well, they're looking for femininity. They're looking for a woman who's hot. They're looking for sexual availability. They're looking for a woman who can nurture, who might be a good mother in the future. I mean, there's all of these sort of conventional feminine qualities that they don't embody anymore. And so when they say, well, what do I got to do? I got to play dumb. I got to play the ditzy blonde. I've been told my whole life that I needed to be in charge and powerful and everything else. And as, as, uh, as Patrick was saying just a minute ago is women want to be, or they, they believe that they need to be in those positions of power because they can't depend on a man. Men are irresponsible. Men are untrustworthy. Men, like Gloria Allred, for example, uh, I, I don't need no man, or they have a very uh, misandrous uh, attitude towards guys as a result of life experience or whatever. But it doesn't even have to be something as dramatic as that. It can be simply like watching Disney Pixar movies that do nothing but say you can do anything. You can be an astronaut and have babies at the same time. And you can you know, be in the military and fight wars and you can go and be a computer, whatever it is. You know, the sky's the limit, girl. And you have you know, three, four generations of women who are raised on that, they believe that they have to be the one who provides that security for themselves. 
So as a result, you have careerist women who are getting more degrees than men. We, we constantly, we, we mm-hmm. point at men when we talk about this, but let's look at the stats here. There are more women who are enrolled in college. There are more women in doctorate programs. There are more women who uh, get master's degrees. Um, I mean, just educationally yeah. speaking, we can we can you know, parse that out. Women are making more money than than men are these days, or increasingly more, anyways. Um, and then women spend more money. That that is part of the family unit. Right now, ninety percent of of uh, American homes, the woman is the one who makes all of the the big economic decisions for those homes. So it's not necessarily earning capacity or this wage gap kind of thing. It's who is making the spending, who's doing the, who's, who holds the purse strings. And we can see that on the family level. And you can also see that on the societal level as well. So if you go look at the, who's in charge of the IMF right now? Who's in charge of the, the Fed? Who's in charge of the, uh, with the EMF Janet right Yellen, now? You're saying? Well, yeah, you look at, I think it was on Zero Hedge, had, the, had a really great story about this. Is like the world's economies are now controlled by women. Or they, those are the heads, the figureheads of those organizations. Now, right some now. may say, some may say, a feminist may say to you, Rolo, you're just insecure, you're afraid of that we, we as women are starting to take your jobs away and mm-hmm. we're making the market more competitive. Why are you so insecure and, and, and afraid right. of us? Okay. What I would say is yeah. that's an emotional argument and I'm making a rational argument. It's the same thing. It's, it's a conversation killer. Who hurt you? That kills the conversation right there. If I go and I, I make all of these very cogent, very rational, valid arguments, or I show you the statistics and say, these are just the, st- these are the stats, these are the dots that I'm connecting. Mm. And if your response is, who hurt you? Or uh, you must be very bitter. What was her name? You know, or mommy didn't love you. Mm-hmm. That's an emotional response. So it's the same thing. It's like, well, yeah. you're, just, you're just an insecure man because you're bringing this up. No, I am giving you objective reality. And you have no counter argument Th- for These it. women that you're saying you're speaking to that, are, that approach you and have these conversations that are doing well in life successful, mm-hmm. are they're literally saying, what do I have to do? Dumb it down. You've used that. Right. Play stupid. You've used that terminology a few times. What does that actually look like? What is it? They're not going to just start being a dense. No, no. What does that actually That's look tough. like? Dumbing we're it gonna, down. We're going to find out is what we're going to, what we're going to do right now. If you look at marriage rates, they're at the lowest they have ever been since the, in the United States anyways, then, then when they started recording this, it's like, I believe it's up to 6.1% per thousand right now. I believe it's 6.1, but it's at the lowest rate. What do you mean? 6.1% 6. of what? Well, 6.1 per 1,000, I believe of, of, of the population. It is what does that mean? Statistically though? speaking, it's the marriage rate in the United States is lower than. Yeah, it yeah. Has but what's six point one per one thousand? Uh, um, I, I got it off of um, uh, the numbers stat of women from... marriage per, per one thousand unmarried women. Mm-hmm. There's older. So can you pull this up because I'm actually really curious on what that mm-hmm. means. Uh, I, I do know fewer people are getting married. Yeah, one, it's one, at, a, it's abso- at the lowest rate. Absolutely. Right now. I mean, I, I got one Men... chart here that says marriage more than a century of change. If you go back to 50s, 90.2% of folks were getting married. Today, it's mm-hmm. 31.1%. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. The U.S. marriage rate, the number of women's marriages per 1,000 unmarried women, mm-hmm. 15 years and older, is the lowest it's been in over a century at 31.1. That is roughly 31 marriages per 1,000 unmarried women. Mm-hmm. The marriage rate was the highest in 1920 at 92.3%. Since 1970, the marriage rate has declined almost 60%. Why is that happening? I would say it's because we have a different understanding of how men and women should interact with each other. We have taken away anything that men might provide to women because they're strong and independent women, right? 
that side of hypergamy where it's the the three P's, parental investment, protection, and provisioning, women can do that themselves. And uh, when we have a social order that makes men like Homer Simpson or we turn them into incompetent men, or we say we can just simply look at the stats, like 40% of guys are going to college right now. Um, there's this new uh, – I forget what the uh, – the guy's name, John Berger, I think, was he, he coined this phrase called the golden penis syndrome, right? It's like these guys who are on top of their game. They're the, guy, they're the alpha, the quote-unquote alpha males that all women want to get with. Well, they don't need a man to provide security for themselves anymore, mm. and they don't trust a man to provide that security in the first place mm. because their whole concept of masculinity is ridiculous or it's abusive. Those are really the two – or incompetent. Those are the three choices that women Roll have. You have you have you have two kids. I have one, one you daughter, one daughter, daughter twenty three. Okay, boom. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. So, Here your we. advice to yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Here this we go. Is, yeah. you, no, no. <laughs> this is just open ended no, no, questions. I've, I've answered this before. You have a twenty three year old daughter. Mm-hmm. She's at the quote unquote prime of her life right now. Yep. People, I'm sure yes. you know if, if she, you're her dad and a hot mom. I'm sure she's mm-hmm. looking all right. What are you telling her? Are you saying, hey, listen, babe, you've got a few years to capitalize mm-hmm. on this. I want you to go to school. I want you to be successful, mm-hmm. but not too successful. And mm-hmm. here's what I want you to do. What What mm-hmm. are you telling your daughter? Well, my, my daughter's already a girly girl to begin with, okay? She's a pageant girl. By the way, she knew uh, what's the the black girl who just committed suicide, the, uh, the pageant winner girl who, I forget, uh, Chris, uh, forget her name, Chelsea Crist, I think is what her name mm. is, Sorry. Uh, which is very tragic. By tragic. Way. This just happened. Yeah, it just wow. happened. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but she's, she's very, she's very feminine. She's naturally feminine. Um, she is, she's got a good head on her shoulders. She's doing postgraduate work. Um, I won't tell you what, mm. <laughs> what colleges are on publicly, but um, she's just finishing up her postgrad. Um, she has a boyfriend who is very much alpha guy, a hockey player. <laughs> okay. um, and so older. She, Yes, yes, okay. yes. And she um, she naturally, I think, gravitates towards guys who are, uh, I, I would say, uh, follow a certain template mm-hmm. or, or a certain model. Um, and yes, to, to be honest with you, I've said the same thing. I said, you know, you are at the prime of your life. You're at the peak where your, your selection, your your What does she peak, tell you when you tell agency, her that? Is that? Well, see, that's the problem. This is my daughter. This is Rolo Tomasi's daughter, okay? So this is kind of like I'm, I'm biased here. She's going to be biased because she's getting this from me. But, um, of course, like the... The problem that most women have with what I have to say when they have a problem with it is they tend to conflate sexual market value with their personal worth. And that's, I think, if, uh, remember you were asking me what advice would you give to women? I would say, look, there's a difference between your sexual market value and your personal value. So when women say, well, look, I've got a career. I have a, a, my own business. I have all of this stuff. I did everything that I was told to do by the books. I'm a, a, a powerful alpha female and... Um, and you know, still can't find a man, but this is where I'm at. How dare you tell me that uh, that I'm not hot or I'm not attractive? And the problem that I have is that when you conflate sexual market value with your personal worth, your personal worth becomes what you think should be attractive or what men should find attractive in you. Men are not necessarily looking for a woman who is a high-powered CEO or an attorney or whatever. They're looking for a girl who's like good-looking, feminine. And sexually available, and they want to get with that. And anything beyond that point, once you've established that relationship, that's all gravy after that point. But they're not looking for a guy. They're not look. Men are generally <laughs> heterosexual men are not looking for another guy to marry. They're looking for a woman to marry because that's the complementary nature between men and women. women. You're, not, you're not even talking about mm-hmm. homosexuality. You're not. You're talking about mm-hmm. another woman. Who oh, we has can we can ca- we can talk about homosexuality. No, no. Well, but too. in this context, you're mm-hmm. talking about they don't want to marry a 
woman who is trying to be a man. Like, that's what you're exactly. saying. Yeah, yeah. They're looking for the yin and the yang, right? I mean, they're, I've said this before. Like, people will, will throw rocks at me, so let me be clear right now. From my perspective, men and women are innate, natural, evolved complements to one another. My strengths as a man complement my wife's weaknesses as a woman and vice versa. We are better together than we are apart. And the problem is, is as you were saying before, is that we have this separation. Why aren't people getting married? Why aren't we forming these monogamous yeah. you know, families? Why You talked to Jordan Peterson a little while ago. was a... Uh, socially enforced monogamy. Why is that a thing of the past all of a sudden? It's because men or women literally have no use for men, except for a few top tier guys that they're they're being, whether by force or by choice, are being forced or choice to uh, to choose that one guy and share that one guy. So when we talk about high powered guys and having, you know, why would that guy who has at the peak of his sexual selectivity, maybe he's 37 years old, 36 or seven years old. He's on top of his game. He's, he's hitting his stride. He's made his first millions. He's got his own business. He's got, he's, he's the success story uh, of, of manhood. Why is he going to want to get with a woman who is like his equal who or that he would perceive as his equal and not get with a lot of hot girls like Dan Bilzerian or something like that, or get with, with a lot of women at one time, you know, have that sexual selectivity and then choose from among them who he wants to have children with and who he wants well, to have you a family quoted, with. You, you quoted Jordan Peterson, who was just here Friday, mm-hmm. um, sitting in your seat right there. And basically, I've seen him say, saying women want to date horizontally or and vertically, I, meaning like uh, your same status or above, where men mm-hmm. is just like, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll take well, it from, women, I'll take uh, a three to a 10. I don't give a shit. Women have, uh, women have attraction floors. Men do not have attraction floors. And what I mean Break by that, that down, yeah, exactly. Well, let's just, I mean, let's put it in nuts and bolts here is if you've got a guy who is like a six, he'll date a woman who he would love to get with a woman who's a nine, but no one's ugly after 2 a.m., right? So we have a much, we have <laughs> a much, goggles. we have a much broader, um, uh, much broader scope when it comes to, you know, the women that we're willing to get with either as mating opportunities or as, as like say a relationship, our standard, like men today are simply not even allowed to have standards. So when we talk about like, well, you, where do you look for in a woman? Most guys is like, well, you know, she, she was there and then it just seemed like it was the right thing to do for women. If a woman is a six, She's looking for a guy who's a six or above. And if that guy is a six, she's looking for that guy. She, the guy who's a, the seven might be somebody that she wants to get with. It's, uh, it's not necessarily a sort of mating, but it is mm-hmm. looking for the, neck, the bigger and the better deal. And does that mean now, because people are going to give me this, um, does that mean that, you know, well, if, if I get with a woman, she's always going to be looking for the next big, bigger, better thing? No, because hypergamy is not a straight jacket. And what I mean by that is as women mature, their ability to, you know, discern what's my sexual market, uh, uh, sexual market value versus his. If that woman is, say, a seven and he's a six at 28 years old when they get married, and now they get to be in their 30s, their mid-30s, and suddenly he's made partner in the law firm, he's made maximized his potential, he goes up in sexual market value while she goes down a notch. That's what I'm talking about. Maybe that's what solidifies that relationship, and it makes it a healthy relationship. It's not necessarily like, well, oh, I'm doomed because women, I, why would I bother getting with a woman who's just going to go look for the next best thing? It's not just about that. There's a lot of variables that go along. You know, we were doing a, uh, we were doing a uh, show that we're testing. And, you know, yesterday we're talking to, uh, you were not in the room. So Zach's uh, on this blind date with this girl, okay? Mm-hmm. And we're testing this show. And this therapist from behind in the back, what a walkie-talkie is talking to the, each person mm-hmm. that they're dating, Right. So, meaning the girl's got a headset that she's mm. speaking into, okay. 
and you, the guy on the blind date, has got a headset that she's speaking. The same person, two walkie-talkies. One is yours, one is hers, right? Mm-hmm. And she says to him, ask her this question. Are you uh, okay with open relationships? Mm-hmm. If we date, are you okay with open relationships? And she says, yeah, I would be open to open relationships. Mm-hmm. And then he, she said to follow up with the question of why would you be open to open relationships, right? Obviously, there's a place that she's going to. You know, there's a lot of talks about open relationships right now. Mm -hmm. Poly, poly, yeah. Yeah, what is this story with open relationships? I think that that is sort of the the adaptation that's going on right now because a lot of, like, as you were just looking at the traditional marriage, like where it's one man, one woman, they get together, they have two kids in a golden retriever in the front yard, right? Um, That is a dying model. That is an old order model. It's a 20th century model. Today in the 21st century in the social media era, um, women are exposed to, uh, what is it, the paradox of choice, right? It's the, they, all you have to do is go on your cell phone and go on Tinder and like you got, uh, there's far more guys on Tinder than there are women on Tinder. So this sort of gives this idea that women are, have a higher, a higher threshold when it comes to like, well, attention or when, you know, from, from other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is the idea anyways, this is, this is the th- in theory anyhow, is that poly is an adaptation for the, um, the situation that's going on between like what used to be just sort of the nuclear family right now. So when a woman, for instance, when a woman, when we're talking about poly, poly works differently for both guys, for, for men and for women. Mm-hmm. So when we think of poly, we think of one guy who's like, yeah, man, I got, I got three girls here. You know, this is great. You know, they, but guys want to have that variety, you know, they want to have like the three ways or whatever it is. Um, the, the common fantasy that, so we think of poly in those terms, but when we look at it in a modern sense, poly really kind of comes down to who's the most attractive and who can leverage it the most. In today's society, it's women that can leverage it the most because they're the ones that get the most attention online in a social, social media pers- you know, perspective. Again, going back to those stats, uh, I, I had them here just a second ago, but it was, uh, if you look at how couples met mm-hmm. over the, from like 1950 all the way to 2020, and you look at like friends and family, school, church, whatever else it mm. is. And you look at just like how low those numbers are right now. And there's one huge spike right now. And maybe he'll pick, he'll pick it at that huge spike right there. That's online dating. And that is like not, and that's only in like the last like 15 to 10 to 15 years right there. That is what I'm, you want to know why Polly is so popular? That's why Polly is so, so popular. So let's look at that. Let's look because at that. Because of online so, dating. But well, I'm, because of choice, because mm-hmm. even just the, the presumption of choice and, I, and I'm sure that's even higher because that's 2017. Send me that on yeah. So yeah. through friends, 33% to 20%. Bar restaurant went from 19% to 27%. So that went higher. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's lower for COVID because ain't nobody going to bars during COVID. Right. At work, it went from 19 to 11%. Does that mean people are no longer working? <laughs> School, college from 19 to 9%. Through family, 15 to 70%. Wow, so they're no longer going to Thanksgiving. You know, so, so going back to what we're talking about with uh, uh, this whole thing about availability, mm-hmm. right? We looked at a stat a couple months ago, if you remember the stat, where the percentage of folks who were getting married online versus through family, it was seven times higher. Do you remember mm-hmm. that stat? It was... Do you remember that's that what we talked about? There's an article we covered. People that meet online are more likely to get divorced, and, and people who meet through friends or family are the most likely to stay married. Yeah. So people who meet online are more likely to get a divorce than people who meet through friends and family. 
And, and I think friends and family was the highest, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. right? Friends and family, and it was work. Why do you think that is? Why do you think a divorce is higher for online than friends and family? Okay. Well, again, it's uh, you're spoiled for choice. That's that's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have to look at the people. Well, that's the one. That's actually what I was looking at right there. The, if you look at that spike, that really dramatic spike right there. That's and when when did that start? Right around 2000. Can't see it from here. 1999. Yeah, 1999, all the way up yeah. to where we're at right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I, AOL I, chat is. Where I it see a lot of. I see a lot of. Yeah, people. but is that groundbreaking? That's like saying. No you know, surprised. social media is yeah. where people are, are, right. are doing yeah. with their time. Right. Well, what he's saying is, TV was What he's saying is availability, access. Our, our understanding, our expectations of marriage, our expectations of forming a relationship are based on pre-2000 standards. I'm Gen X, you're Gen X, I believe. But even if you're millennial right now, you're still, you still remember an age in the 90s. If you watched an episode of Friends, that's old, the old order way we used, to do, uh, we used to do relationships. We still have this expectation, this ideal of this 20th century model for relationships in an age where we look at a dramatic spike like that in how people meet online. And again, you have to also, you can't just take that one data point and, and just like say, this is it. Yeah. There's all other interrelated data points that go along with that. You're also looking at men who are falling out of, you know, the, the lost boys generation, the guys who are not getting laid right now because they, it's, I'm mean, looking at the GSS study right now. Men are far more sexless today than at any other time in, in history, any other generation in history. These are the right whole now. incel con- yeah, this, uh, concept. Well, it is. It's the incel concept, but it's also statistically a, a, a reality. Yeah, my right friend now. David's dealing with right, something like that. Right. It's like 28%. More, what is, I, I just read this thing. It's 28% of men below the age of 30 are sexless. They are, they're still either virgins or. What was or that number again? 28% of men below the age of 30, th- you know, up to 30, are sexless. What can those point. guys do? Is this the, some of the big th- the triad make Three, more the, money? Yeah, build money more muscles? muscles game. Yeah, and and uh, I mean that's if you want a prescription, that's what I would. That's where I would go to. Mm-hmm. However, that data point set against this stuff, you're going to ask me why is poly a big deal? Why is it now we're we're not getting married? Why is well, of course, divorce rates are lower now as well because nobody's getting married. <laughs> um, and so we're looking for alternatives to that right now. We're looking for uh, alternative ways of, of forming families. And I think we're kind of doing a piss poor job of it right now because we're still thinking that we can get back to this uh, tw- you know, 20th century uh, model for relationships in an age where 28% of men below 30 aren't, aren't getting any. And we're looking at how are they how are they finding each other? Okay, also look at how what are this what's the demographics and what is the uh, what are the numbers of men versus women on those dating apps to begin with? It's mostly men and uh, like a, like an ocean of men and like a very few select uh, set of women who are getting those responses. You know what's unique about you is that in some fashion you're a traditionalist meaning you've been married for 30 years you're married 25 years i ride the cusp yes (laughs) right what does that mean exactly i ride the fence man i i I can remember a pre-internet age and a post-internet age and so i'm gonna and by the way once i'm the last of my kind because once we're gone nobody's gonna have that that preconception anymore Certainly not to the degree that the people about are writing that. about. I don't know about that. Well, I don't people know about, want and, that. They yeah, want that conventional. That. They want that conventional monogamy. I think there's always going to be. We sometimes think we're more important than we really are, and there's nothing wrong with being that confident. That's great. But I think people like you are always going to be there to challenge conventional thinking. I and hope there's, so. there's, Oh, there's <laughs> going to be. It's no question. I, listen, Jewish proverb: three things every man should do is what? Write a book, plant a tree, have, have a son. son. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a. It, it, what it, the whole purpose behind it doesn't mean go have a son today. It's just saying like the fact that when you do that, 
uh, uh, messages uh, go to the next one. I ask this open relationship thing because mm-hmm. of the one show that we're doing, but it's also it's been coming up. And hey, you think it's this? You think it's that? What about this? Because sometimes you got single guys that want to get married mm-hmm. who don't want to give up the life of being single. Okay, you know how you talk about in your twenties, never fully commit to one. I don't know what word you use, but you you That's use That's out some, of forty-eight laws of power, by the way. Yeah, of course, <laughs> Robert Greene. But you talk about that as well, where you know, keep your options open when you're. Young, until you're 30. single, until yeah. you're don't, 30. Don't yeah. consider monogamy until you're 30. Yeah, so that's what you say. That's that's what you say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, so so you're kind of like, when you're single, you know, you don't have the, what's the RCA? Uh, 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 responsibility, commitment, accountability, right? Those three things that we fear, that we don't want. We just, I don't want to be responsible for one. I don't want to be committed to one. I don't want to be accountable. But the reality of it is, you ain't going to be married for 25 years if you don't follow the RCA mm-hmm. rule and, and commit to that, right? Um how how does how does one who is single and has been single for a while and has been very good at being single for a while how does that person who is now especially and and this is going to sound like I'm talking about you but I'm talking about a lot of friends right now that we have that are late 30s mm-hmm. early 40s they don't need to get married they're doing great they're making money but they're getting to a point where they're sitting there saying I wouldn't mind having a kid right I wouldn't mind having a family honestly I'm so sick of it the number that used to matter when you would brag to your friends, you know, the number like, oh, I've been with this many. I've been, yeah, notch count. No yeah. one cares anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares about what the number is anymore at this point? It mm-hmm. mattered in the 20s. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter in your 40s. What, what challenges is that 40-year-old male going to face mm-hmm. to go from being fully free for many, many years to all of a sudden decide to commit to one person and build a family? Mm-hmm. What challenge is that guy going to face? Yeah, it's, it, I, I have, my, my friend John from Modern Life Dating is a probably a pretty good example of this as well, is once you get to that point, once you get to like 36, 37 years old, and let's just say you've been on your game, you have maximized your potential uh, as, you know, your value as a guy, uh, there will come a point where you have, um, let's just say, solve the mystery of women. You've solved the mystery of money. You've solved the mystery of whatever it is that sort of has been your obsession for as long as it has been. And now it seems kind of like, uh, like old, old news to you. And what's the next challenge? What's, what's, the, next, what's the next goal? And I, I, I have said this as well, is that I think that, again, that men and women are innate complements. We're better together than we are apart. And I think that uh, at some stage, men are going to say, you know what, I would rather have the quality than the quantity. But those guys don't get to that stage unless they kind of go through the, the idea that they either had the, qual- the quantity or that they could have had the quantity. Um, most men, like I said, when the average age of marriage for men is uh, the, the ones that are getting married is like 29 years old. That also coincides right at that epiphany phase that I was just talking to you guys about. So when that guy's 29 years old and he's not quite reached his peak potential, when he gets to 36, 37 years old and he's already committed to a woman who was like 20 year, you know, 28 years old back in the day, he might be thinking, well, damn, I didn't know I was going to be this hot. I didn't know I was going to have this much money. I didn't know I was going to be at this status. And that's why you get things like the midlife crisis at that point. And so it's not so much a midlife crisis as it is, oh, damn, I now realize my own potential and uh, now I'm having second thoughts or now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go buy a sports car to sort of relive my, my youth. Um, that's really sort of where that comes from. But when those guys are 
are not committed and they get to 30s. That's one scenario. The other scenario is the one you just said is when they get to be 36, 37 years old, maybe 38 years old, pushing 40. And they go, you know what? I, I'm, I'm done with this. I really kind of want to want to log out and I want to you know have something that's a little more permanent. They'll ask me, they'll say, Rolo, I don't want to get with one of these girls on Fresh and Fit who's like 18, 22 years old because they seem kind of really, you know, flighty and, and not somebody you want to start something with. But also, I don't want to get with a woman who's sort of like used up and is uh, really kind of full of herself, an alpha female at 33 years old who has sort of built herself sure. into that archetype. Yeah. What, how, how do I solve my problem? I tell them, you say, you know, you have to look for certain, you have to be a good judge of character. You've got to be able to, if you're reading my books, if, you've, if, you've, if you're red pill aware, if you're a good judge of character, if you maximize your potential. I've always said that the, the sweet spot is kind of somewhere between, like, say, 25 and 27 years old. And looking for a woman who uh, who understands like what her sexual market value is versus what her personal value is, and those women do exist. I, and I, I want to point that out. It's not like I think a lot of people think that I think all women are the same. No, or all men are the same. No, I'm not saying that. There are commonalities that are that are characteristic of men and women. We have our sort of innate differences, of course. But when you're talking to like women in different cultures, in different religions, in different countries, wherever, though, those cultures are going to be vastly different than they are here in the United States because maybe they haven't sort of been corrupted with like, you know, feminism or whatever to that point. So you're looking at women in like, like Muslim, like Muslim majority countries. You're looking at Latin, Latin countries. Those the, those women are going to be of a different kind of like understanding of like, well, going forward, this is what I'm what I'm going to be about. So there's a lot of variables that get so that, culture. Go into that. So 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 at that very this is what I took from it. And, and, and I'm curious what your follow up is going to be there mm-hmm. is I'll turn it over to you right after yeah. this. So to me, based on what you just said, this is what I took away from it. Culture and uh, uh, tradition Mm-hmm. Is something you ought to value at that age. You you ought to look for that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, that you should at least have a good understanding of what how that person, whether male or female, yeah. came to their certainly their belief sets, but also uh, what is it that has acculturated them into the personalities that they have. So definitely, you know, there's environmental influences, there's natural innate influences, yeah. and then there's cultural influences as well. So, what do you think about that? You know, uh, you know, split your age plus seven. Half plus seven. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something about like age appropriateness. It only works in the female sense. It doesn't work in the male sense because we live in a gynocentric social order that says, well, you know, uh, was it um, Keanu Reeves? When he was dating his his uh, I think she was like 46 and he's like my age, like 53 or 54 years old. And the woman he was dating at the time looks like his mother. Looks like she's like she's got gray hair and everything, and, and women were just like, "Yay, he's dating somebody that's uh, that's age appropriate." You look at Leonardo DiCaprio; none of his girlfriends have been older than twenty five years old, and as right. soon as they get to twenty six, he cycles them out and gets another twenty three right, like year it's old. An expired can of milk, exactly. And so that's and and you can there are actually online sites that like track his his girlfriends' ages across the. So who's doing it right? Who is Leo doing it right, or is is uh? Is Keanu doing it right? Is Keanu still with the lady? I don't, I don't know, don't but that was, yeah, that's the, that's the, the gal right there. I believe Hugh Jackman is. Uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is my age. He's fifty three, and his wife is sixty six years old. Or what, what's uh, Jason? Macron? Mo- Jason Momoa, Momoa just broke up with uh, Lisa Bonet, who is fifty four, and I believe he's forty one or forty two. Well, Lisa Bonet had it going on for, a uh, and she was what, with what, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz, Kravitz yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Macron. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 
PM of France, is mm-hmm. he the president, prime mm-hmm. minister, whatever? Yep, yep. His wife is like 20 years older than him. But mm-hmm. we, that, only have a, we, only have a, we only have a problem with age appropriateness when it yes. is a man that is dating a, you know, mm-hmm. too, too young. So what's too young? Half plus seven? Is it 10 years? Yeah. If you look at the difference between, say, um, like uh, Lisa Bonet and, and Jason Momoa, what's that about? A 10 year difference? 13 years. Yeah, yeah well, 13 years. So if you got a, a guy who's 33 and he's dating a 20 year old girl, te- technically it's illegal. He could go ahead and do that. But we go, oh my gosh, I, he, he's robbing the cradle, mm-hmm. right? But if it's the other way around, oh, she's a cougar. No, I, it's I, I, all don't, good. I don't think about it. I just think, is it going to work? You well, know, yeah, you, you yeah. may you may be like, oh, that's cool. You it's know, like Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, you know, that was a, a, that was a success story. Mila for Kunis showed up. Mila Kunis showed up. You know, it's a, it's a <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, he he brought up a really good story because almost like the case example he was giving is essentially me. So the, you know, ultimately a, a lot of the questions that you ask are who do you want to be? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So who do you want to be? Who I want to be now at age forty one is a lot different than who I wanted to be at age 31. So it it really, like, I'll give you a story from this past weekend. Congratulations, you've matured, all right. Well, yeah, (laughs) but that comes with finding your purpose, making money, having some heartbreak issues, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, good relationships, bad relationships. It happens through life. But ultimately, you have to be like, okay, do I want to be single at 51? Hell no. Who do I want to be? Like, Thank God I have a, got a, a lot of good people in my ear like Pat that shows me, all right, cool, you can be successful, you can have money, you can still have fun, you can be a family man, you can do it all, you can have it all if that's what you want. So I, I tell the story on a podcast that I do that I believe that you're, you're going to be on, Thursday. on Thursday. So I met a girl that I haven't seen in years uh, out. I saw her, I saw her out or I didn't know that I knew her, but I was like, oh, she's really attractive, tall, whatever. We get to talking. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember you with Kala. I'm like, how old are you? I'm 40. You're 40? You look incredible. She's like, yeah, we should get together sometime. You know, here's my number. Call me. Mm-hmm. I never called her. 40. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I don't think that's going to work out so much. Because I'm thinking, I want to get married. I want to have kids. That's right. just not going to be in my... Yeah. And then you're speaking of polyamorous. Very, so this past weekend, um, I'm out. It's my birthday, South Beach. Having a fun time. I... I see a girl that I hadn't seen in a little while. She goes, what's up? How are you? You have a girlfriend? No. Jokingly, I go, do you have a girlfriend? Ha ha. She goes, yeah, actually, I do. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to get fun. Um, she's like, you should come out with us, whatever, whatever. So um, I'm out with her and her girlfriend, but we're kind of got a thing going on. And we have a thing. It's my birthday. She gives me a kiss, whatever. I'm like, what's, why is your friend like having a bad attitude? She's like, I don't know. She just kind of feels like a third wheel. She's like, I think it would be a lot better and make things less awkward if you kiss her. I'm like, okay. So, boom, make out with a friend now. So now I'm making out with two girls. It's kind of insane. Mm. And I'm telling my boys this, like, the next day. And they're like, so almost like, you know, Adrian or whatever. One was like, bro, are you kidding me? You got to take the two, two girls. Oh, my God. You had, like, like there's that friend, right? It's like a Steel Panther video. Exactly, exactly. And then there's the other friend that's like, you know, almost like the angel and the devil. It's mm-hmm. like, listen, bro, like, you know, you really want to mess with these kind of like mm-hmm. ratchet, not just she was ratchet, but these more like scandalous type girls. Mm-hmm. Is that really what you're looking for? So there's part of me that's like, and this is for most men, exactly. I would assume. By, by the way, the fact that yes. you're being that transparent about it. Yeah. Yeah. That you this can is, most men want to, like, but are thinking. Here's a difference, yes. though. Here's a, here's a difference, though. Here's a difference, though. Here's a difference. Uh, 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 Adam is in shape. Mm-hmm. He's made money, attractive, yeah. charming, 
charismatic, you would be qualified as a natural. So mm-hmm. for you, you're 6-1, athlete, you are extremely likable, people like you, you don't have enemies, you're chill, you're cool to be around, right? You have that side. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's harder for you to want to consider to want to build that you know that life because mm-hmm. for me when I was when I was so I, I got out of one relationship, mm-hmm. me and this girl were together. She's a Libra. I'm a Libra. You know we when we were friends, tight, cr- great, but she was so dominant, personality, super competitive, and you know honestly like we were part of a week away from World War Three. Yeah, starting. I was gonna say I mean, there's the, no the way that type be of negative impact, gonna right? Mm-hmm. So I, you know afterwards I'm kind of like. I was convinced. I sat down with uh, uh, Leo's wife, Patty, and I said, Patty, you know what? Listen, I just come to a conclusion. I actually enjoy my own company. I actually enjoy my own company. Mm-hmm. So what are you talking about? So I'm telling you, I'm the guy that on Sundays, I will wake up in the morning, I'll go to Santa Monica, I'll do the stairs, I'll go to the gym, I'll go to the beach that I go to, I'll go to the same seat I sit at, that P.F. Chang's in the corner, the same waiter gives me four Arnold Palmers, I eat the same exact freaking thing, I call the same person that I go spend some time with, and I go to this place, and then I come and I go to the office, and I work all night, and I start Monday morning. I said, I'm totally fine. I said, I'm going to have six and a half days to work against my competitors. Everybody else is going to work five days a week. Why would I want to get married, right? right. right. And so I'm going through this process, and it's, I have options. I'm, it's not like I'm— it's logistics and yeah, pragmatism. Exactly. And it's like, you know what? If you have a wife, if you have kids, do you really want to have that and all this other stuff? Now, there's a different side of me as well that— you know, uh, God's played a very important role in my life. And I'm talking in- incredible, or I would not be where I'm at right now without the man upstairs, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. believe me. Mm-hmm. So so the, the fight I had on both sides is like, I, I want to, you know, I want to be a good example. I want to lead, but I got this side that's a, yeah, like a Tasmanian devil, don't control me, leave me alone, all this mm-hmm. other stuff, right? What it did to me is the following. Here's what it did. I got to a point where I realized I want to have a family. I want to have kids. And I don't know what else am I going to get out of my system. Like, it was like, what else do I need to do to get the check mark? Like, you know, you get that checklist with 42 things to do before you get married. Mm-hmm. I'm at like 44. So I'm like, okay, so what, what else you got to experience to say, wow, this is so cool right. to go out there. What haven't you, right? So there comes that moment where you sit there and you say, I ain't going to be this age forever. One day I'm going to be 50, 60, 70. Do I want to be the 62-year-old dating a 26-year-old every other day? Or do I want to be the 60-year-old having been with the same person for 16, 17 years and looking forward because I'm teaching my son or my daughter mm-hmm. and I'm living you know, through them and I'm teaching them certain values and principles that maybe I learned from mistakes mm-hmm. I made, stuff I learned from my mom, my dad, whoever it is, and I'm passing on to somebody. I think that's the battle. For a guy who's a performer, who's crushing it, sitting there saying, but for my, my thoughts, correct me if, mm-hmm. you're, if you disagree with this. I think for that to happen, um, and I was kind of seeing what angle you were going to take, what direction you were going to go. I think for that to happen, certain, uh, uh, certain rituals has to change. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just think mm-hmm. certain things have have to change. Like, for example, you know, everybody that's going after Joe Rogan, it's a cool thing to do, right, to mm-hmm. go after Joe Rogan. Yeah, that's right. Oh, let me tell you, I can't believe he said that, you know. And Even Joe Rogan is yeah, going after Joe yeah. Rogan. <laughs> by, 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 by the way, you, you know, shout out to Dave Portnoy. I don't know if you mm-hmm. – did you watch that episode or no? Did I you didn't watch? see the clip, okay. no. So uh, you don't need to pull it up because it's on a different podcast, but mm-hmm. Dave Portnoy is doing a, a podcast with these three guys. What, what's their names? Uh, uh, 
Is a Midas Medium. touch. Oh, you did the send me that. Yes, yes, yes. Midas yes. touch or Medias touch, right? Midas yeah. touch, yes. The, the Democratic Super PAC. Yeah, but which, by the way, they're great for the Democrats on what they're doing. They're super belie- true believers. They support them. They go after everybody. And they're who you want on your side, okay? Mm. They're the Patrick Beverly's. They're that guy that you want on your team, the right? The son of a bitches. The son of, yeah, you mm. want that. Like, you know, you got Bulldogs. three people, the dreamer, the businessman, and the son of a bitch. You mm. need that, right? So what happens when you point finger nonstop to everybody? Joe's a racist. Joe's this. Joe's that. Joe's this. He said this. He said that. So, you know, uh, uh, Howard Stern, let me tell you, we got to No problem. Okay. Just yesterday, a video came out by Howard Stern making fun of Whoopi Goldberg and using, did you see how un- uncomfortable, it's so uncomfortable to even watch this, right? He said so many things about this guy, okay, mm-hmm. about the uh, blacks, the words he used. And then this guy that uh, Dave Portnoy is inter- interviewing with them, the three guys on his podcast, look, well, uh, uh, Dave, let me ask you this. Do you think it's okay for Joe to use the N-word? So Dave says, uh, uh, listen, I've already answered that question. I'm not going to answer that question again, but here's what I will do. So what if I told you I have a text from one of you three here that used the N-word? And it's three brothers, mm-hmm. and they're quiet. You have to see this, okay? What if, what if you know, uh, I'm able to find a text that you guys – well, prove it. One of mm-hmm. the two brothers say prove it. One brother doesn't say prove it. So you know the one brother that says prove it is like shut up. Yeah. You don't say anything. What are you saying? Yeah. And he says, "Were one of you guys engaged to a girl named Lexi?" And you mm-hmm. should see this one guy's face. He's like, <laughs> "It's so classic." Just I have a text. I have a text that you use the N word in a text, mm-hmm. and it was like, "Oh shit, we can't now cancel our brother." You know, oh, man, so it kind of catches up to you, right? It flips on you, turns on you. Then The Rock, well, let me tell you, you know, now that I learn I've gotten educated and Rock is on now, and then it's like, hey, video comes back about what he said about the, you know, making fun of Chinese. And so where is this thing, right? Mm -hmm. I I think certain things you have to cut away from. You have to cut away from the idea that people walk on water and perfection and that's just not going to exist, right? So let me bring you back. I went all over the place and added four Mm -hmm. other current events which checklist for you, Tyler, but mm-hmm. here's where I'm going with this. Okay, here's where I'm going with this. Um, the older I get, the older you get, it's going to be harder to find somebody that's going to meet all the criteria you're looking mm-hmm. for because no one walks on water. That's number one. So you're always going to be like, no, no, yeah, but no, no, yes, parents, family, education, church, bah, height, toes, hair, face, nose, skin, so church, mm-hmm. t- no, no, no. So ain't nobody going to fit that. Mm-hmm. There, there's got to mm-hmm. be somebody because you don't walk on water. Oh, shit, I definitely don't walk mm-hmm. on water. So, hey, what are we going to do with this, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do that, certain things have to dramatically change. Like if we're going to go into this uh, era of media where we're going to be holding everybody accountable for stuff that they say, mm-hmm. you have to know. We have to cut away from everybody has to walk on water. Nobody does. Mm-hmm. The moment you open your mouth, you risk. You risk criticizing and offending somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think I, I think I think the older you get, you have to really make a decision there mm-hmm. and say, you know what? Like I remember when I said, yeah, I'm going to build a family. I stopped uh, communicating with certain people that I knew I wasn't going to. I went immediately and made a list. I read this book and I went and started dating these four girls, not promiscuous. We were not, this was not a sexual relationship. I'm dating four girls. Every one of them I did the exercise with and the next thing you know, you know, it got to somebody and I said I think this one's going to work out and Jennifer and I went through the 101 questions to ask before we get engaged mm-hmm. 
18 months later, we're married. Now we got four kids. We're married for 12 and a half years. Do I think this is going to last for the rest of my life? I have no clue. Mm-hmm. From the day I got married, I said, we're going to take this one year at a time. Mm-hmm. And we've done it 12 times so far, right? Because mm-hmm. you never know what's going to change with your life or her life or anything, anything else that could happen. All I'm saying is if, if somebody at that age wants to make that dramatic change, certain lifestyle things got to mm-hmm. change. I, that's just, and I may well, be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. When, when people ask me, uh, they, the, people who hate on me or criticize me, they usually come at it from two different angles. One of them is, Rolo can't be red pill, he's married. So therefore, I have no experience. Or I'm not out in the game, and I'm not out there hustling, and I'm yeah. not out there in the clubs and you know, picking up you know, girls and, and getting my notch count up. And then there's the guys who will say, well, Rolo can't be married, he's red pill. And that's usually the, the traditional conservative guys who are... Uh, who want to say, well, you know, uh, you, 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 you don't agree with marriage. Like I've, I've come out very vocally against marriage uh, on several occasions. And this is from a guy who has been in, you know, for the last 25 years, what I think most men would consider a pretty ideal marriage. And when people get upset with me about um, saying that, you know, marriage is an unconscionable contract or men have more maneuverability, they have more... Uh, uh, flexibility, they have more opportunities outside of marriage today than they do inside marriage. People just think I am anti-marriage. I am not. I would very much, I still 100%, maybe it's the old school in me, but I still 100% believe in the institution of marriage. And I would love for nothing better than for for you and anyone else watching this. Yeah. If you're a guy, I would love for you to have what I have had for you know the last 25 years and really 26 and a half. But um, I would love for you to be able to have that, but I can't endorse that. I can't advocate for that right now because the way we do marriage today is completely all downside risk for most guys at this point. So when you're talking to me about like, well, you know, I just I made out with two chicks and I got, you know, I'm on top of my game. I'm hitting my stride. I'm, you know, well, you're in your 40s, but let's just say, you know, 36, 38, somewhere around there. Um, I am at the peak of my sexual selectivity right now, and I'm going to finally enjoy it because I had to eat shit from the time I was 20 or 18 in high school all the way up to where I'm at right now because I had to come up. I had to I had to pay my dues and get to the point where I'm at right now. And you're telling me I've got to settle on one woman in a state of westernized marriage right now where I first of all, I can lose half of my stuff. And then second of all, it's like, uh, why would I want to get into that situation when I'm finally hitting my stride? And a lot of guys, because it takes longer for them to mature into their peak potential, they're, they don't see any point in say, you know, the guys who are the high, the high value, the highest value men out there who have the money, who have the game, who have the muscles, who have all the, all of those checkpoints off that women want to get with. They, the, the women that women are complaining, the, the men that women are complaining about that they can't find a right, the right guy. You're the guy, not the, not the, the, the army of beta males that they like rejected all throughout their twenties. They're complaining about a guy who won't settle down. And now you're yeah. infantile or you have a fragile ego. Or you're threatened by strong women because you won't commit to her when you're finally at the position in your life at 36, where she was when she was 23 years old and nobody gave her any kind of yeah. grief for it back then. So what you're, what you're up against and what you're talking about as well is when you get to that point, you have to decide what opportunities and what are the compromises and what are the sacrifices I'm willing to make as a man in my, in my, peak potential years, what, what compromises am I willing to make for a woman 
for me to want to say, you know what, I'm going to give up all that opportunity for you. And, and is that woman going to appreciate that? Is she going to be, oh, well, thank you for, for doing that? Or is she going to be entitled to the fact that she believes that she belongs with a guy who's a high value guy as it is? And that's the paradox that's going. You want to know why the marriage rates are low? You want to know why uh, was it Morgan Stanley forecasted that by 2030, women in prime working demographic age, like was it 25 to 45 of, of that, that cohort, 42%, I believe, are going to be single and childless during that time, at, at, by 2030. And that's, uh, how does that change a society? How does that change the United States? How does that change a Western, you know, our Western way of life when we have this, you know, high, high demographic of women yeah. with population of women who are not marrying, not having kids right now. There was just a, another uh, article, I think it was in, uh, in the UK, how women after 30 percent of women after the age of 30 are don't have kids and they don't have any prospects to have kids. That does a number on women. Do they well, want kids, though? But they, yeah, they do with you. They want kids with the guy. Well, the guy who's the high Shoot, value. They're guy. outside. By <laughs> <laughs> they want to with the guy who's of, so they're who's not going to settle. Is what who's you're of saying. your who's of your characteristics? There's a and I, I don't know. I should have called it up, but there is actually a calculator on. It's called like the female delusion calculator. And you type in like women say, OK, I want a guy who's six foot tall. I want a guy to make, you know, one hundred thousand dollars a year. He's got to be uh, available. There's all these little you know criteria and it will show you what the um what the percentage chance is or what, the, what percentage of the population. That's it right there. What percentage of the population. Female you should type that in. Like, you should, yeah, like go, go down there and do it. Do a quick. It's, it's very easy. Go do a quick experiment. Uh, should do one for do one for him. Do, do, do it for his age. What's your age again? 41. 41. So let's let's get into the 41. You are white. So we can put that in. Uh, how tall are you? Six foot. Six foot. Oh, man. Uh, and minimum income. I presume you take, you you make six figures. No, well yeah. over. Correct. Yeah. Okay, Just so it, it maxes out. It maxes out a hundred thousand. Okay. Okay. Now find the probability of finding a guy like you is point one three percent. What's you can up? see Adam's ego you. just You're one in a thousand. Now, before, before anybody. I always say your ego is not your ego. I'm going to roll it. You just ruined everything. Your chances <laughs> just went <laughs> lower of him getting Just watch the headphones expand. Now, before, yeah, before you get too big ahead, yeah, before no, people no. go, oh, I don't believe that. There, if you go and you look at how they, they rate this, these are all statistics that are available by Census Bureau data, mm-hmm. um, by uh, uh, probably Wait, CBC, GSS. Car enthusiast? What was that? Tyler, go back down. I said cat enthusiast. Please go back down. Yeah, the cat enthusiast. Car enthusiast. No, no, cat enthusiasts. Yeah, four out of five. Yes. That's How the, the hell did that happen? Get that's out the, of here. That's what the, does that even mean? That's the spinsterhood factor for what women. What is that? Well, because that's, if, if so. Metro. So if a, that's for women or that's, for men? That's for, that's for women. Okay. There's another one for men as well. Well, if they're looking for cats, I got you. But the, um, so statistically speaking, like if women wanted a guy that is just like you, you you are a representative of 0.13% of the, pop, well, the U.S. population. It's game over. This is all we're going to hear all day. Today. My confidence just went now, through the roof now, right now. We're talking about now, all day, now, all, all month. Now, now, do, now do you know why Polly is popular? Now do you know why guys are holding, like no. when you get to, you know, you're hitting your stride. So what would you tell a guy, like if you're saying you are married, you're happily married, you want to have, like, I'm telling you, I've lived in South Beach my whole life. <laughs> you do not want to be the 60-year-old guy in the club. Mm-hmm. I know that. I've seen, like, I remember saying, I'm going to do well. Most I'm going to make it. that anyways. I don't, like, there's no chance that I'm going to be 50 still out there in the club, a club space in Miami. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Like, but what would you tell a guy? Because there's a lot of, like, there's entrepreneurs here. Mm-hmm. People who believe in capitalism. People with self-improvement. Mm-hmm. A lot of people watch this channel because they want to do better and they're thinking big. This is kind of what our 
brand is, what would you tell the person, whether they're 32, 35, 40, 45, mm -hmm. whatever, and they haven't settled down yet? What advice mm -hmm. do you have for them? I'll tell you, I had this conversation with my friend, Rich Cooper, um, and he asked me on his show one time, how did you vet for Mrs. Tomasi? And my answer was, I didn't vet her. I vetted myself first. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked myself, the first question I said is like when I was considering actually having, being married to anyone at that point, um, was, is this a person that I can be faithful to? Is this a person that I can, because I know what happens when that, when a couple splits up, I know what happens to a family, to multiple families, to the children, to everything else that goes along in there. There's one of the, I think the unspoken importances of the red pill is that we don't it will, it will at least allow you to see uh, like the, the ripple effect, the cascade effect. So what are your actions doing right now that are going to affect other people? And so when I was vetting my wife, I don't say even vetting, um, I, I had to vet myself. I said, can I be faithful to this woman? Because mm -hmm. I know me, I've seen me do it, right? I've been the cheated on and I have been the cheater myself in my, in my past, right? And so I don't want to open that can of worms if, if, I don't, if I can't be 100%? And the answer was yes, I could. And that was the first question I asked myself. And really, I think in, in your instance right now, what opportunities are you willing to sacrifice? What, what are you willing to compromise right now? Are you willing to compromise making out with two girls on the beach? Right? Are you willing to compromise the opportunities? It's like opportunity. There you go. Right here. Here you go. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. Sign right here. Right, buddy. What, yeah. what, what are you willing to sacrifice and what are, are, what's a deal breaker and what's not a deal breaker? And then mm -hmm. what you have to do is once you have decided what that is, you have to set that against the girls that you think that are, are good candidates for a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult for guys to do right now. Well, what is, what is the biggest fear in somebody in his situation? Is it just I have to be with one for the rest of my life? I can't party anymore. I have That's to give up of some it. of my freedom. What else is it? Why well, would somebody opportunity say cost. opportunity cost for sure? Like what are the what are the opportunities that even myself take myself as an example too? I've been married for 25 years. What opportunities have I missed out? And not just sexual opportunities. I mean like business opportunities or job opportunities or relocation opportunities or family or whatever else that maybe I wanted to do that I could not do as a result of having a relationship with, you know, being in a marriage. Uh, having a kid, having my dogs, whatever else, all of that stuff, all the responsibilities that we say is, you know, men need to take on responsibilities. Well, that response, those responsibilities come at a cost and that cost is generally, uh, scaled out at whatever those opportunities were that you could have invested yourself into. Had you not been, uh, had you not been single or had you been not been married at that time? You would not be who you are right now at 42 with the money you have and being certainly, you know, 0.13% of the population. Had you made a different decision when you were 28, you know, 30 years old when I got married, right? I'm a different per person as a result of that. I, you know, it's life choices. It's lifestyle decisions. But most guys don't make those decisions based on educated, you know, educated assumptions. So right now you have a life of learned experiences that you can kind of reflect back on. You're probably a better judge of character. Men, what's the joke? You know, men don't become men until they're 30 years old. And so the reason why I say don't consider monogamy until you're 30, or you certainly don't even consider marriage if you're going to consider marriage until you get to be about 34, 35 years old, um, is because you're at that point where you're finally hitting your stride and you're a better judge of character and you're better able to make that, the, that estimate, that evaluation between what are the opportunities I'm going to miss, and what are the um, what are the benefits of me, you know, settling down with a with a woman for a very long time, and you know, making things work out? Would you call that earlier frame? That's definitely your frame. You have to have the frame. Frame, by the way, is the world into which you enter or she enters. 
And you right now have a world that a lot of certainly a lot of women would like to enter into. And so you have to also, can't come in well, <laughs> and then you also have to make sure that you have to keep that in mind when you're making the decision. Is this someone that I can yeah. be faithful to? When you said ready. that was the first question that you first asked question. yourself when you were going to settle down. Yes. Why was that the first question? Was that the um, most well, because I, thing? like I said, I know me, you know, I it definitely it is because uh, it is. I think a lot of people under appreciate the effect of genuine desire. Mm-hmm. And genuine desire is like unmitigated, like, you know, in a sexual sense, it's unmitigated, you know, lust. Like there's a, there's a qualifiable difference between a man where that a woman says, I want to have kids. It's time for me to have kids. My biological clock is ticking. And yeah. that woman says, I want to have his babies. I want to have that guy's family. I want to, I want to, I basically want to, you know, reproduce with that guy. There's a big difference between those two statements. And oh has it, has God. it been hard for you? Being the, what you talk about and what you stand for to be faithful? Um, no, because I, I, I was able to answer that question back then. Can I be faithful to her? And she was, she was everything I was looking for. It still is everything I'm looking for. He's oh. about to get emotional. Oh. Yeah. No, no, Adam will yeah. cry. I'm saying the like, yeah. that's when you're 28, that's, yeah, okay, I'll be faithful. Well, I've had but a different like we've experience. Seen the, yeah. We've seen the video of Urban Meyer, who's married and whatever, and now he's getting a lap dance at the bar from mm-hmm. a girl in Jacksonville. And I'm not sure that he, I don't know what he did that was necessarily too wrong, but he wasn't necessarily faithful. But mm-hmm. well, there's a big, what you say when you're 28, well, what happens well, when well, you're 41 in a club? Yeah, yeah but Jordan Peterson, a, let, let me ask you a question. What did you think when Jordan Peterson said, you know, divorce should be 100% out of the question? Oh, that's how, right. How he, do you process that? How do you process that? Yeah, Jordan Peterson said that no matter how bad your marriage is, you should stay married for the sake of the kids. Mm-hmm. Essentially advocating for the what nuclear family. Is that, I agree, is that 100%. Okay. So mm-hmm. even as miserable as you are, you're fighting, you're not having sex with your, you know, you're not mm-hmm. meant to be. At what point do you say, oh, you know, we tried, enough's what, enough. What is your... And at what age of the kids? Okay, at age... Wait, wait, ask him. Yeah. Uh, do you think no matter what, you should stay married? I think that if, if you, again, one of the reasons why I vetted myself before I vetted my wife was because of exactly that. Can I be faithful to this person? Because if I can't, then I should not be reproducing and starting a family and building this huge, yeah. you know world or my frame around all of this, if that one little point, if that one fundamental point can't be, can't be maintained. So yes, yeah, sex is the glue that holds relationships together. Sex is the glue that holds marriages together. And if that falls apart, I mean, you go look at the statistics for uh, sexless marriages in the United States right now, it's like something like t- at least 20%. And a sexless marriage, by the way, is like 10 times a year. Right. Like one, uh, like once a month or, you know, and then skip two months. I think that's what the, well, you're the saying you should is. stay married even if you're in a sexless I, relationship. I think that once you're already in that, um, I think it's very important to uh, as far as raising the children, if you want to build strong families. Now, a lot of people will disagree with me on that because they'll say, well, you know, I'm not getting what I need out of the relationship. And it's usually the woman that is saying that it's not so much the man. The men will will put up and tolerate way more than women will when it comes to like a bad marriage because they have more to lose. Women are more incentivized, financially incentivized, to uh, to file for divorce. This is one of the reasons why 70% of divorces are initiated by women. Then you get like social narratives like yeah. um, like what we call divorce porn, which is like eat, pray, love, right? Or Stella got her groove back. Or uh, just divorce him, girl. He's not the one for you. He was never your soulmate. You need to go run off to Jamaica and have a good time and find your soulmate there after you divorce It's a pretty him. good movie, but that's about it. It's divorce <laughs> porn. Yeah. It's a fantasy for women who are like, who get to the 
point where they they settled on a guy who was not the 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 one was not their yeah. soulmate. The, you know, the one that got away was the guy in their in their uh, in their college days. And they get to, you want want to know why they call it the seven year itch? It's because it's usually right around seven years that women have that you know they decide is he the best that I can do? And more and more certainly since the seventies, women the answer to that is no. And to the point where we can go build, you know, very, you know, profitable franchises and romance novels and narratives. All right, go look at uh, anything like Netflix has is chock full yeah. of those narratives. Or 50 Shades of Grey when that was like the biggest thing it's on the planet. 50 Shades of Grey, by the way. Remember, 50 Shades of Grey was self-published. It was not like With put a few hundred out errors there. in the book. Yes, and it sold sixty-five million yeah. copies in the first like like year that it what was mean, out. What do you mean? What do you mean? Few errors. In oh, the book. it was what self-published. The guy had like who's who's lose 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 like spelling yeah. oh, errors. It was basically fan yeah. fiction, but it was just rewritten by uh, El or El something or I can't remember her last 50 name. Fifty-some-year-old was she, she? Late yeah. forty. I don't know how old she yeah. was, but, but she was an but old. Hit on a very popular yeah. narrative because it's, it's that a fantasy. Fan, it's the fantasy of. I'm gonna and it's a it's a fantasy with a lot of commonalities in it as well. But you have to look yeah. at the popularity of that. I mean, I remember in we talk about church. I remember church women going, "Have you read Fifty Shades of Grey? I can't wait till the movie comes out." And it was all good in the hood to be to be reading this. The movie sucked, but the soundtrack yeah. was. And you good. know, and you know what you know what pastors it's of the era the did. You know, you know what religious guys of the era did. They said, yeah. "Oh, it's a failure of men." <laughs> it's a failure of men that we that we've allowed this to happen with women, or we can't live up, we can't measure up to that. And so we'll, we're ready to self-flagellate and blame ourselves for those for for you know the impulses. Let's just say. So 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 let me let me uh, let me ask a question just from you. I'm going to ask a question. Do you think uh, the more intel you get, the more it's kind of like, well, shoot, you got to do this and you got to do. Oh, this guy said this and that guy. What you know, this guy said, oh, but this guy said this, but that guy said this, but this guy said this, where you kind of like... Data overload. Yeah, data overload to the point where you can't make a decision. Do you think that kind of hurts us, hurts a little bit? You, I can see if you're the type of person that gets in your head and second guesses everything, why that would hurt. But I'm the type of person that's going to remember the two or three most powerful things that someone says. The two or three, you know, and I say, all right, cool, this is what I'm taking from this because not everyone's going to remember every single part of this. No, that's not what I'm asking. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, I think you understand what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, it's kind of like, you, you almost read, like if I knew at 21 years old, how hard it was going to be to be an entrepreneur and somebody would have told me, I I don't know if I would have gone. If somebody would have told me flat out, here's, I would have been like, if they would have sat there and said, let me tell you, Here's what's going to be. 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 Like it was more. Listen, if you do this, yeah. here's what your life could look like. This is the dream. This is the dream life that could look like. But guess what? The chances of you living this dream life is one percent. If that scares the crap out of you, don't do it. If you're all in and your dreams matter, go for it. Go light it up, right? But the choice and the onus is on who? On you and I to do that. Mm-hmm. Marriage. I had to get to this place to get married. Just so you know, I'll tell you where I had to get to. I had to get to, divorce was a challenge because my parents got a divorce. And as a kid, I always, like as a kid, I think about when my dad would walk up the stairs in Iran and he would come to the fourth floor. The happiest day of my, uh, moment of my day was a five minutes when I would see his head go like this with the steps because our mm-hmm. door was glass. Mm-hmm. And I would see his head go up like this. I would run up to him. Five minutes wrestle. I'd go to sleep. I was good. I was at peace. Right When they got a divorce, that head coming up the steps disappeared in my life. Mm. That's it. Believe it or not, that's mm. all I remember. I love that moment with my mom and dad. They got a divorce, right? 
And they got divorced twice in 20 years, by the way, my parents. So I sat there and I said, well, and both of them, neither one of them were supportive of the other. It's kind of like, well, you know, marriage is not this. And let me tell you, women is, men is, not all this stuff, right? Mm. I should have done this and I should have done this and I should have done this. And I would, this was this girl and there was this guy. And what if this, everybody, you don't understand when I was younger, we always say, when mm-hmm. I was younger, I was so attractive. I was so this. Okay, great. Fantastic. So there's some regrets we're all going to have no matter what the decision we make, right? Okay. And then later on, I got to a point where I said, all right, so let's just face it. There's a possibility that I could get a divorce. But guess what? Parents did the right thing getting a divorce. My parents did the right thing getting a divorce, and you turned out okay. And so did your sister turn out okay. So this whole thing that it's going to ruin the kids, it does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it does. Emotionally, fear, all this anxiety, one million percent. By yourself, dad's not there. I can't come. I can't talk to somebody. The phases you go through as a kid being bullied, certain you don't have. You can't talk to your mom the same way you talk to your dad. The same way you can't talk to your dad the way you talk to your mom about certain things, right? So when that disappears, you're gonna, it's going to mess with you a little bit. But there's books, there's therapy, there's church, there's a lot of different ways you can rehash that and heal yourself, just like you have, just like I've had, just like many of us have had to do, right? Then it got to a point where I said, the one simple question, all right, so what's the worst case scenario? What's going to happen? Okay, let's look at both ways. What's the worst thing that's going to happen that if you choose not to get married? You're 63 years old, sitting there saying, shh. One of your friend's son is graduating from college and you're there and all you're thinking about is while you're clapping for this kid, you're thinking about when your friend had that kid and he met the girl and you were there and that kid's graduating college and now he's a doctor and the emotional moment the father experienced with the son or the daughter, you're saying, I want that, you know, or you're by yourself and you have all these girlfriends that you're with, but there's nobody that you have depth of 30 years to share memories with. You're like, that'd be kind of cool to have that. Best friendships. When I see you and Keith together, it's freaking awesome. Well, when we went to dinner the other day, who spoke the less at the dinner the other day? I didn't speak at all. Yeah, For three hours, I just listened to the stories. It was freaking amazing seeing the connection that you guys have. That's like a marriage, except it's a friendship, but it's a marriage, right? Some friends didn't make it. Some are not with us. Mm-hmm. Some are not here with us. And that's just, just the reality of it. But the worst case scenario on the other side is if it doesn't work out, it's a divorce. If it's a divorce, you can take everything away from me. Not true. There's great legal teams out there that you can set things up up front to manage expectations up front. There's something called nuptial agreement. So the financial side, okay, that's out the window. Arrangements, what about this? Now you're going to be fine with that as well because everything can be on paper up front, okay? Those are the things that takes it out because I'm, I'm from the school of thought of where I'm at today. I don't think, you know, a lot of people are like, listen, I'm at that age, I, I got to get married because everyone's getting married. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Who cares if everyone's getting married? Yeah, everyone's having kids. Who cares if That's everyone's That's not a reason kids? to get married. That's not a reason yeah. to get married at all. For either sex. I, absolutely. I, I've met people that are not married and they're very happy. They're very, very happy and content. But I've met more people that are not married and they're miserable. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just everything becomes a guy put a comment here and I said, fantastic comment that you just put up. It's odds. Everything is about odds. Mm-hmm. Everything in life is about odds. There is no 100% bet in an investment. It just doesn't exist. Well, I think a lot of people yeah. believe that they're going to just stumble into a perfect turnkey relationship. And you have to remember that re- like a relationship, a good marriage or, like, or even a good friendship is something that you develop over time. It's like building a project together. It is not just about like, oh, look, I found this, you know, my brand new car and I'm going to go drive my brand new car. It's it's something that you have to uh, build upon. It's it's like it's almost like an art project, you know? It's like you you collaborate. I play in a band, right? We make music together. All four of us make music together. 
And it's not just about one particular guy. It's about all of us, you know, coming together, collaborating, yeah. putting something together. If you could look at it in those persp- in that in that perspective, then yeah, it becomes so- it becomes something that's I think. Um, I know I know Dr. Peterson would talk, would say it's like more meaningful, but I would say it's certainly more substantial. It's more impactful um, and it produces something uh, greater than the like the sum of the parts. So uh, I, I definitely believe that uh, the other the, one of the reasons why I was saying that, you know, I think that um, staying together for the for the sake of the kids, a lot of guys will will end up doing that. You also have to remember that you know, uh, divorce was at 50 percent of, of marriages and divorce mm-hmm. as it is right now. And um, again, um then we have to look at how what, what's the societal impact of divorce? What's the societal impact of single mothers? What is the societal impact of women who electively have kids? Uh, was it forty two percent of children are born out of wedlock in the United States today? Say that number That's again. Forty forty two percent of children born in the United States are born out of wedlock today. So either, that's why, terrible. Yes, why either electively terrible. or they were together and yeah. then they split up afterwards. Um, and that's just a, a that's an a, across the that's non demographics. Yeah. It's just like across across the board. So what does that do to a society? What does well, you know, should we stay together for the kids? The other thing comes down to a and this is a little I think a little more <clears throat> uh, ephemeral of a thought here is like what is your what is more important to you your commitment or your commitment to the ideal of commitment? Meaning like. I keep my commitments. That's my commitment to an ideal. So it doesn't matter how bad this situation gets. I stuck it out because when I commit, I commit to something. Or is your commitment to yourself saying, this isn't working for me. I'm the, I'm my own mental point of origin. I am, I am, you know, the, the primary in this and this commitment was a bad deal. And I, now I need to get out of it because I can't live like this anymore. Is your commitment more the, your is it more important to be committed to something or is it more important to be committed to yourself and that's where guys get when they get into that situation when they thought it was a great deal when they got married and they find out that it's a raw deal afterwards and then they also have to take into account the opportunities and the things that they could have participated in had they not make that commitment in the first place that's why i said when you're talking about well how should i vet my wife understand what the opportunity costs are on there. Most guys never have even occasion to even think about that. They can't believe that they're having sex with the girl in the first place. Oh, well, she must be the one, right? And they're willing to go forward from that, from that perspective and never get to the point where they're actually thinking about standards or vetting or anything else that goes along with that because either they're, you know, too, you know, too low value or they're too high value and they're not, they don't, on their way to their high valueness, to to being you know an entrepreneur, making their first million or whatever, they're not thinking about those questions, and so they get into a, a similar state of like trouble as a result of that. So when I say you know uh, you know I think that that divorce you know women will say this all the time, divorce is off the table. You think you just said it a second ago? There's this idea that divorce should never be a consideration, but I'll say in tw- in the certainly in the 21st century. Divorce is always on the table. It is always something that is available to women. It is always something that's going to say, is he not the one? Is he not the one? Is he the best I can do? And if that answer is no, there's always that option for her. For men, it's it's cheaper to keep her most of the time. It's like cheaper to cheaper keep her. to keep her because they <laughs> because they don't want to go through all of the rigor morale involved with you know separating and getting out of that. So those are things that I think every guy, when they're saying, oh, I think I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to go forward. Those are questions that you have to ask yourself and ask them from an educated perspective. So listen, for the listener that's, that's listening to this, here's one mm-hmm. thing I do want to say before we wrap up mm-hmm. is many times 
I see guys and gals who hear a message and they emo immediately make an emotional decision. So meaning they call their husband and say, you know what, we're done. Call their wife, mm -hmm. oh, here's a call, something like, let's get married. Mm -hmm. Listen, this, this, guys, this is just a conversation that we could have gone five more hours. This isn't a conversation for you to all of a sudden make a life-changing decision to yes. go get divorced, get married, or get somebody knocked up. Not, not at all. This is some extreme ton of processing going on that we spoke openly, uh, and everybody gave different scenarios. You got a guy here that's been married for 25 years in July whose daughter turned 23, and he's given his perspective. I'm married for 12 years with four kids, and I'm a uh, different story. And then you got a guy that's uh, a single uh, uh, 0.13%, one in a thousand <laughs> type of guy who's uh, 40, 39 or 40 years old, and he's single, and he's thinking about whether he should get married or not. Everybody has a different life. Everybody have a different situation they're dealing with. Uh, no two stories are the same. You just got to make sure when you're making a bigger decisions in life, you don't jump to conclusion emotionally. Just kind of take your time a little bit more before you get too crazy. Be, be, be rational. Reason, be, be, reason yeah. before emotion. Yeah. Reason is reels the way to go. Reels before feels. Yeah, no question about it. This seems to be a Let's, common theme, by the way. This mm -hmm. is just, but this is, this, yes. is a, this is a very aligned, uh, 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 what do you call it, a language with me. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day. He says, you know, how are things? Good. I said, um, tell me about your family. How many kids you guys got? We got one kid. Are you guys trying for two? We've been trying for five years. And you could tell he felt the pain, right? That's an emotional thing mm -hmm. right there. And I said, listen, bro, there's certain things I have no control of. I rely on a man upstairs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I try to do whatever I can to you know, lead what I can't control. The stuff I cannot control, I'm not going to do it. I can't read her mind. I mm -hmm. can't read future. I can't do any of that stuff. The more you try to do everything right, you're going to break shit. So some things got to be left to, to the man upstairs. Some things you got to do, and the rest see would how you, things turn out. Would you say that God is the third person in your marriage? In in ours, mm -hmm. absolutely. I'm. I told the story like twelve podcasts ago. I'm dating a girl. Her and I love each other. We enjoy each other's company. I get to a point that I want to get married. I said, "Listen, I don't know if I know what it is to be married. I think we need to go find a church." I'm an atheist at the time. I'm telling you right now, I'm an atheist at the time. I don't believe in God. My life has never given me a single example to believe in God. It's given me a thousand examples to not believe that there is a God. So I don't want to go, you know, through this mess. And I told her, I said, I want us to go to church. She says, what are you talking about? I'm not going to church. I'm, are you becoming religious? I said, I'm the last guy who you would call religious. But if we want to get married, you want to get, I do want to get married. If you want to get married, I want to get married. I think we've got to figure out a way to follow a manual. Let's pick a manual. So are we going to pick the Scientology manual? <laughs> are we going to pick the Christianity manual? Are we going to pick the Judaism? Are we going to pick the LDS? What's the, Jehovah? the constitution pick, of your pick relationship? Pick the manual, yeah. right? Uh -huh. Let's pick a manual and go find the best manual that <laughs> we run. We went to church one time, and I came out. I said, listen, why don't we try to go one month without sex? She said, what are you talking about? Let's go one month without sex. <laughs> and it was the most awkward month. And the reason why I said let's go one month without sex is just to see what do we talk about outside mm -hmm. of sex? Mm -hmm. What commonalities do we talk about outside of sex? And I got to tell you, it was confusing for both of us. Guess what happened a month later? Mm -hmm. Relationship ended. You know what's crazy? She's happily married, got a couple kids. I'm happily married. I got four kids. But I needed the man upstairs because I by myself, you know, sometimes you need that person to be in your life. You know, when we sit there and we pray 
with our kids in certain situations that we have no concern. Daddy, what do I do? I said, buddy, your daddy doesn't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that we got to pray about. And those things, your mommy and daddy cannot help you out with. So anyways, I don't want to make this a yeah. spiritual Tim, Rolo, So let's just know. end with all holding hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heavenly Father. <laughs> yes. So anyways, folks, uh, t- this week, last week we did four podcasts. Yes. And uh, uh, this week we're only doing one podcast. I think next week we're back to two or three podcasts again. Actually, I'm mm-hmm. traveling again next week. But, but we have John Perkins on Tuesday. Oh, John Perkins, the economic, economic hitman. hitman. And, oh, uh, he's hot. You know who he is, John Perkins. Yeah, the economic hitman. He's the hitman, one yes. that goes to countries, negotiates with the prime ministers, and says, if you don't do it, we're either going to take you out or we're going to ruin your economy. Pretty, <laughs> And he did that for a living for like a long time. Yeah, it's exciting. We have some surprise guests that's coming up, by the way, that yeah. we can't release yet. We got some guys so we just... We got some surprises, but we got Jason Miller from Getter on Thursday. Oh, that's yeah. going to be interesting. Next Thursday. Okay. Very cool. Okay. Uh, gang, and Ro- Rolo will be here back with, with us you. on Thursday on the Sazcast mm-hmm. with some ladies. Absolutely. There we go. We're going to put the link below. The Rational Mail, 5,000 plus reviews on Amazon. Go order the book. Let's put the link both on the chat box as well as the con- uh, description. And uh, having said that, Rolo, thanks hey, for coming out, buddy. This was great. Appreciate Much you. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Have a great week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.